This is uh, Drifting Pro-Am, a podcast about Pro-Am drivers and uh, event organizers and all that fun stuff. My name is Gerald Hernandez, and if you can please introduce yourself. I am Sean Murtha. I am the number 25240SX, as that'll probably change next Pro-Am season now, as our numbers change from season to season. That's about it. Nice. So uh, how did you uh, get into drifting? I got in uh, basically by a shop in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania called One Motion. Uh, I lived in Arizona till about 2014. Mm -hmm. Uh, I decided to make the move back to Pennsylvania. That's where I'm originally from. Um, And, you know, I started to do kind of road racing events i had a subaru uh subaru wrx at the time 2002 you know everyone was just kind of like oh yeah if you want a road course go to english town it's kind of funny i met these these dudes at the, uh one motion by the name of mike quinones and tj boric and they basically said why don't you try drifting and that there was basically a wrecked s13 that my buddy gave me well sold to me and uh, that was it, pretty much. It was a KA24DE, 90 horsepower. Um, Sweet. You know, fa- yeah, factory handbrake, weld diff, one bucket seat. And that was about it. The thing had zero gauges whatsoever, zero anything. It was basically just a car that we, we trailered to the track and we drove 90 horsepower and we beat the piss out of every day. And that was about... 2013 was the first time I actually drifted a car on a track legitimately. <laughs> nice. How long did it take you to link that track? Uh, probably about an hour and a half, honestly. And I'm kind of going to go into a subject that is kind of like, I feel like it's new to drifting, but if you believe it or not, you hear a lot of pro-am drifters or people who are new to drifting saying that. A lot of them played Forza. And that sounds ridiculous. And I know my girlfriend just laughed at me behind me. But, you know, there's a dude, uh, and I I don't want to drop names, but I'm going to drop names in kind of a positive manner. There's a dude out here in Arizona that absolutely shreds. He's a gnarly driver, and his name is Tony Chard. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I don't know if you heard of the name before. He's like 17 or 18, but the dude absolutely kills it. And if you ask him, he won his Pro 2 license here. And if you ask him, you know, how he got so good, he will literally tell you Forza. He just played Forza like 24-7. Ellis swapped E46 base model? Yes, you know the car. Yeah, okay. I know. I didn't didn't know he was 17 years old. I found that out the other day. I was like uh, poking around his Instagram. And then I was like, wait, is this guy a kid? And he's, he, he's, yeah, he's really young. But, and then he you came know. up on, like, suggested friends on Facebook, and I was like, yeah, he's a kid. <laughs> the kid did such a, I think, out here recently we had Desert Meehan, too. I'm sure you probably heard of that. Um, yeah. He he did such a gnarly wall ride, he, like, broke his back windshield. I saw that. <laughs> yeah, like, he's he's a gnarly driver for sure, and he's he's a very talented driver. Um. You know, the only dude I know in his crew is Josh Dukey, and they're a crazy team, man. They're 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 great people, and they're another great example of of pro am drivers. I mean, that kid gives it his all every time he's out on the track. There's, I think there was four kids that got their license this year. Um, I believe the Sorenses got their license. That's two kids. Um, 
Dominic Martinez. He did Just Drift up at Willow Springs. He got his license this year, and then now the kid you just mentioned. Yeah, he did. Um, and they all drive I, fucking baller, by the way. Yeah, I heard I heard about the Sorensons. Um, I don't know if it was the sister, too, or just the brother, but... He he yeah he he was driving pretty good Meehan too he was they were he was going crazy yeah I heard I I wasn't there but I drove with um the sister in the drift league so she oh really yeah she kills it yeah yeah she's a pretty good driver I I think those are old I don't know if it's like for both the cars but I was talking to the sister briefly I think they're they're old Alex Hill run cars and at HGK had something to do with them. I don't know what the deal is, but she told me one of them is Alex Hilbrun's old pro car. Yeah, uh, I know. I believe that's the brothers. Okay, yeah. I'm not 100% certain, though. Because I know hey. one car has Wise Fab, and then one car has the RTS angle kit on it. Shit, both cars can fool me. They're both pretty insane. <laughs> yeah, they're not. I, I don't know how to tell the difference between them. Even when they're driving, they both look insane. And you know what? They're, like, really cool people. Um, they show up in, like, a toter home and an RV and stuff like that. And then I remember I crashed my car at Irwindale, and they're like, hey, can we borrow an injector? And, like, as a return favor, he goes, hey, send me all your injectors, and I'll clean them for you. Oh, no way. Really? Yeah. Uh, did the dad, right? Yeah, Randy. Yeah, Which, Rand, they they definitely, you know, and I feel like a lot of people have, like, a bad stigma about them. They see them show up with the toter home. They just, and this is just being honest. Like, this is just kind of general attitude, what I, I feel from the pits. They see them show up with that. But, like, all in all, I have never seen them kind of be bad. I have never seen them be bad people to the drifting community. If anything, I, I, I kind of feel like they're a positive impact on definitely. the drifting Right. And the reason I feel that way is, yeah, you know, they have a toter home and yeah, most people don't. But it's like, realistically, like, can you say if you didn't have that money, you wouldn't do the same? Like, come on now. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Like, you know, I know they they got their name mostly off of off-road racing, but it's like, come on, you can't fault the dad for doing that. And, you know, the kid, Brandon and Amanda, they're they're very talented drivers. So, definitely. yeah, you can't knock them. Yeah, exactly. Um, hey, you know what? That's the way of life. Some people have, you know, more than you. That's just the way it is. <laughs> like, so a bunch of bitter people who are all pissed off. Exactly, and you right. Like, I'm with you here 100. percent You can't knock them. No. You know they they have talent. They they have obviously done something right to be in that position. Um, so yeah, they're, they're cool dudes. They're cool. Well, cool dudes and dudettes, should I say there, there is a girl driver. Yeah. And I I know she finished fourth and, um, in the series. Yeah. But I think there was one person who did like one round who kind of like kind of messed up the points a little bit for her. I'm not 100% certain, but I'm hoping that she petitioned for it. I think she should get did, it. Did she do fourth in top drift or was it southwest drift? Uh, the drift league. Oh, okay. Yeah, that just started this year, so it's not as big as some of the others. Oh, right on. Um, I definitely want to try to like get down at that next year. I know me and I know a few dudes from Southwest Drift are planning on doing top drift, or excuse me, drift league. Mm-hmm. They're. 
I don't know. I, I definitely want to get down there a little bit to see kind of what the California scene is like. I kind of moved out here from Pennsylvania is where I'm originally from. Mm-hmm. I think the closest lead to us was U.S. Drift at the time. Uh, I definitely want to experience more leagues than Southwest Drift, so to speak. But I don't know, man. You have, you'll have to tell me on the California stuff. I don't, I don't know anything about that. It's all I know, so I can't compare it to anything. Ha. Dang. <laughs> yeah, so. But the cool thing about here, obviously, is that we have two uh, licensing series within, like, I think 80 miles of each other. Not even that. Really? Yeah, Irwindale. Between Irwindale and uh, Willow Springs, I think it's about... Yeah, probably like roughly eighty miles. Dang, it's nice. That's crazy. This dude, the dude, one of the dudes that I drive with in Southwest, Austin Kriegel, was saying some of the people will they'll kind of compete in three different series. Like, you know, let's just use these as examples because we're throwing them around: Southwest, Top Drift, and then Drift League. Let's say those three. Rome did that last year. I don't know if you know who Rome Carpenter is. Yes, E thirty six LS. Yep. He did that. Yeah, he did the same thing. We saw him. We battled him. He was our first battle at round two, and that was pretty gnarly. <laughs> that dude. That dude's insane. Yeah, he's the only person I've ever um, battled with in competition. It was the first round of the Drift League. Uh, he qualified first. Obviously, I qualified sixteenth, and I spun both times. Oh shit! Right on. Yeah. So. Hey, dude, go. Just do it a hundred percent. You know Aaron Parker. Yeah, I know of him. I don't like know him personally. Him and him and Aaron Parker like showed up for the Colorado round. Like I remember we went with Aaron Parker was our first battle in Vegas and he was our first battle in Colorado and they were both pretty gnarly drivers. Aaron Parker's car is insane. It's beautiful. I'm not a, it's it's a gorgeous car. It really does like look insanely good and like Have you seen the new the new did he have the uh, electricity done yet? Like the, uh, no, the this was four, and uh, I think it was he calls it version three. This was before version three. This was like when it was in its old stage, but it still had like the sequential and the insane like you know rotary and oh my gosh, following that car probably in the first round was he was my first battle. Probably one of the scariest things I've done in my life. Like. And I say that joke, like his car was seriously just like gunshots going off in front of you. And that's how we like followed it mm-hmm. to be on our chase run. Um, we just had to follow it by pure sound. It was seriously like you can't see anything in front of you. So you just have to follow by the occasional like backfire you hear. Yeah. Like it was almost like predator shit. Like that's where his car is, where you hear the backfire. Yeah, I've. I've uh, seen him at events, and like he just has that thing idling, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, put a muffler on that thing! It's <laughs> so loud. Seriously, dude. You, like the we were just like <laughs> the first round we when we were in Vegas, like I, we got our you know we our qualifying list, and we got back to the pits, and I was like, I looked back at my crew, and like I was like. <sighs> The first car we go against is this RX-7, and they were like, oh, shit. And I was like, you know, we're just going to, like, on our lead run, we're just going to give it as much as we can, and our chase run, we'll do the same exact thing. And it, it ended up working out in our favor, but that was the most insane, probably one of the most insane battles I've ever had. 
oh, nice. was dealing with that car and how insane it pops in your face and how much smoke that thing makes. It seriously got to have, like... If you told me this thing had, like, a hundred treadwear tire on it, I would believe you. <laughs> like, I, this thing I just, think he runs uh, Falcons, if I'm not mistaken. He, I could be wrong. Are they like six fifteen Ks or what are the uh, whatever the name is? Yeah, he does run Falcons and they're they're really nice and yeah, <laughs> that car is insane. That nice. car's insane. And and then I started when I first got into drifting in like twenty fifteen. I started following him and I remember when I first saw him. That car was black. And really, uh, yeah, the car used to be black. And then um, I guess I think he was with Nito Tire at the time, or Nitto, yeah. however you want to say it. Um, I remember that was the first time I met him and it was at Irwindale and he was there just doing a Thursday night drift. And he's a really cool dude. I don't know if, like, if you've talked yeah. to him, ever, he's a really nice guy. He says hello. We, he treats everybody the same way. We did get a chance to talk to him, uh, at the end of the battle and yeah, really down to earth, really cool dude. Yeah, definitely. Uh, he had that dude two, what is it? Two chain, two chains with him at the time. So we didn't like give him like too much you know we didn't take up too much of his time but yeah anytime he gave us he was really down to earth really cool dude you know no problems with him whatsoever you know great dude to drive with great dude to race with uh i don't know definitely like great addition to the drift community you know oh for sure for sure so but, uh tell okay. us more about your car um what 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 do you got going on in the s14 so my car started out well like any S14, it started out as pretty much a, a beat-to-hell S14 in uh, Trenton, New Jersey. <laughs> um, I found my car in 2015. Uh, some dude basically put it up online on the Club Loose Classifieds for $2,000. He said the first dude to show up and you know with the money and take it gets it. So we we literally went there that night probably an hour later, and I, I drove it home. It had the the KA24 and an exhaust, and it was it was a piece of shit. It was literally the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> but you spent two grand on it. Yeah, but it was a, it was it was straight. Like I mean, the shell was straight. The body was straight. Yeah. Um, as far as I know, you know, the, with these cars, you kind of never know the, the full story. But um, we took it home. We parked it went to sleep and the next day we we started tearing it down pretty much and uh nine months later we came out with you know a, a caged pretty much an ls stroker uh high compression na engine nice uh nice. s14 with you know the cage um at the time when it was finished being built it just kind of had cut and weld knuckles uh Toge factory tie rods and PVM, the 25 millimeter offset rack spacers. When I first built the thing, I had a huge problem with over centering. Like anytime I would turn the wheel, I would just break my knuckles. <coughs> so it kind of sucked. Um, but we, we figured out that it was over centering. We put that kit on and ever since then it's kind of been, uh, Oh, the transmission. By the way, I don't have a T56, uh, which most people do when they have the LS swap. Neither do I. Yes, exactly. It's it's not end-all, be-all. I have... Do you have the CD09? I do not. Uh, I have a Muncie 4-speed. It's basically an old um, 
the old GM hot rod trans that came in the 60s and 70s cars. Oh, right on. So we chose the CD09 as it's kind of got its shorter gear ratios. It's kind of, it's a been a big benefit in drifting. You know, if we're on a tighter course, we could be in third. I still have the stock rear. I don't have, you know, quick change or anything crazy like that. You know, third or fourth is usually our gear set for any, any track. The car has been, you know, pretty reliable. We found that that's kind of the sweet spot. Third, fourth, and fifth is our gear set, and I can deal with it. You know, going between fourth and fifth as a driver is a little weird, as I'm sure when you're drifting, you know, like kind of grabbing the e-brake and then downshifting in an H-pattern trans. Is, it feels kind of weird. It's, you know, it's a gamble every time. Yeah, right. You don't know what gear you're going to get sometimes. You'll yeah, get... If, if you're going, because <laughs> that one's, uh, wait, they're all like that over here. It's, the first is up in the front, right? Yep. So, you know, there there will be some times, and luckily it's only kind of been at, you know, grassroots events, like you slap it down and you go in a, say, like, six, or you go in a second, and, like, you really have to clutch in fast and be like, ugh, damn, I just did that. But other than that, it's the car overall for a pro-am setup has been, it's it's been kind of simple, if that makes any sense. You know, our motor is a little crazy. Uh, the motor all said and done was, you know, like $6,000, but... Other than that, the car, I don't know how to, it hasn't been anything like you see with the Sorensons have, like, it's not an insane car. Does that, does no, that it's just a, it's a LS swap with a CD09 and a stock, it's, you basically got an engine swap, an engine and trans swap. Exactly. Right? That's what I'm trying. suspension. No, no, it's simple. It's, yeah, exactly. It's and um, there was a kind of a lot of people when I was building the car and not to say, you know, D don't get me wrong i wish i i had the funds and availability for you know more insane car but when we were building the car kind of the the two dudes that helped me build it along the way and kind of gave me some insight were uh you know their their whole philosophy was kiss keep it simple silly and that was kind of where i learned drifting uh was at english town uh club loose and that was kind of the name of the game there you know, just kind of get the car that could give you the most seat time and give you the least amount of problems. And kind of that's what we found with this car. But we've also found the, the balance where we could get a competitive car. And, uh, you know, there have been times when we've, we've struggled and we've gone up against cars that, you know, are a lot more high dollar. But generally, when we come up, you know, basically, when we get chosen anyone in the top 16, this car is competitive and this car is able to keep up with the higher horsepower cars being, you know, only 450 horsepower. And that's kind of considered lower in the pro-am field now, which is nuts. Right. That's something that, you know, you look back, you know, a few years ago and, you know, you have a 450, 500 horsepower car. That's, that's a pro level car. It's, and this is, my opinions aren't, you know, end all be all. My opinions are kind of what I see competing. And there's a lot of cars that you, you could consider pro two pro one cars that are, that are out there. Yeah. Uh, so kind of anyone that, you know, wants to get into pro-am or, you know, has, has dreams of pursuing competitive drifting. It's, it's going to be a lot of work. It's going to take up a lot of your time and it's going to take up all of your money. There is no doubt about that. Yeah, I know. Um, Right, especially if you're kind of like, kind of like us, who, who, you know, we we saw the goal, we see what we want to do, you know, and not, and not bashing the people that are, but if you're someone who doesn't come from a lot of money, 
or you're someone that's not wealthy, this is going to be a struggle for you. Yeah, you're going to have to work for it. Right, exactly. And you're going to have to be 100% passionate about this because when you decide to do pro-am drifting as, I won't even say as your life because it's it's pro-am. It's not going to be your life. It's going to kind of, everyone's still going to consider it a hobby of yours. And that's kind of where my struggle came in with work, like day-to-day life. And, you know, my kind of, and I'm saying it, racing program is the the world around you is not going to view this as your life uh so you're gonna have right you're gonna have to work your ass off extra hard and that means you'll have your nine to five but from five to nine you're gonna have drifting like that's gonna be your life Mm -hmm. um and you just got to be ready for that you know you got to be ready to compete with these people or kind of keep up with these people that I don't they they've either come from another motorsport or kind of money is money isn't an issue for them at least not as big of an issue right correct um it's a little bit more effortless right and there is dudes that are that are in this sport um they're gonna you know they they're relentless they put whatever they can at it and you know, it's everyone kind of aspires to be at that level. And what is your goal, your end goal? Are you trying to get to FD? Yes, our end goal as kind of a team, you know, right now we're kind of a small fish in a big pond, so to speak. Our end goal is FD Pro 1. Even just getting there, honestly, would be a task because we know we, in a realistic sense, we know we can't do that on our own. You know, from my experiences, Pro-Am is something you can do on your own you can buy you could you could compete at a pro-am event just if you show up and pay i don't know usually the price is like two hundred dollars to for driver registration yeah what were we talking about uh something about pro-am takes over your life um yeah program program does take over your life and uh oh we were talking about your end goal was to get to fd you had mentioned and you're not gonna be able to do it alone correct so you know a big learning, probably the big, and to be completely fair, 2018 was my first, I think we had one event, uh, one or two in 2017 where we competed, but the car and myself as a, like what I was outfitted in, not, you know, competitive enough. Um, so we kind of only were able to qualify in those rounds in 2017. 2018 was my full competitive season in pro-am um and i definitely feel like that was or in the southwest drift series that was definitely a big learning learning experience for me and you know personally my and again i i can't emphasize enough on personally my experience with kind of the whole east coast vibe to west coast vibe you know there's a vegas drift has has been beyond I guess I'll say helpful because I can't think of a better word for beyond helpful in driver development um, as where I've noticed kind of everything on the East Coast is kind of clicky for the most part. I've noticed I've enjoyed personally myself. I've enjoyed the West Coast drifting scene uh, more myself there. I've just met a lot of rad dudes through here, uh, whether it be, you know, Southwest Drift or grassroots events. I've met so many cool dudes, um, Utah, Colorado. 
California, whatever the state may be. I see the click things here too, though. Yeah, there, there definitely. I feel like there is no matter where you go, there's, there's a click that's going to develop. Yeah, because they come up together. Exactly. And then they all. Yeah. Go ahead. Like I'm glad you brought that up because I remember that was one thing I really noticed. Like coming into pro am, you, you look up to like these drivers and you see these all these people hanging out and you think like, oh, I'm going to be a part of that. Uh, no, the fuck you're not. You probably yeah. won't even like them when you meet them. Exactly. And just keep um, that in mind. Like you're not going to get along with everybody and that's okay. Yeah, exactly. Just and, don't be a douche. Right. You know, and the thing is, you know, I could tell being kind of someone who drove at Club Loose lot in English town, you know, there, there, there was a bit of a clickiness and there was a bit of, if you're not a blood master kind of, you, you could get the fuck out of here and like that sort of vibe, but you just have to kind of being as a person who kind of just, I deal with my family, I deal with my crew. Don't, don't care about the outside world around you. You know, you're going to, if, if you're truly passionate about this, if you truly want to do formula drift or, or even if you want to stop at pro-am drifting, you know, a, a lot of drivers I met, the dude that uh, beat me for third place this year, Blaze Potts, he, you know, I went up, up after him after I realized I lost, you know, the chance for my Pro 2 license this year. And, you know, I congratulated him. That's that's what we do. You know, we're not here to, when I say we're not here, I mean as in drifting, we're not here. Actually, I take that back. We're, we're here to win. We want to win. But you're not but, here to be a sore loser, right? Exactly. You know, when kind of life hands you what you're, the, the cards you're dealt, you know, just deal with them. So we went up to Blaze and, you know, I don't get me wrong. I was definitely kind of pissed and bummed I lost out on my license. But we asked the dude and he said, you know, he wants to do Pro-Am next year. Like he, he won it and he's going to do it next year. But he wants to build his program. And you know what? As far as I'm concerned, you know, the, the conversation we had with that dude, we, we made a pretty good friend. And th that's kind of like more what you're here for to do in drifting. And, um, you know, it, def it definitely sucks. But, you know, I'm glad for him and I, I'm glad for what the future is going to hold for him. But, you know, as for next year, kind of we learned we definitely learned a lot from this season. Mm -hmm. uh, the lessons whether it be kind of life or car lessons we learned are invaluable that the times and memories that, you know, me, my crew and my family had together, you know, that'll never take that back. And there are some, there are some positives you can get out of drifting, be it the whole or albeit the whole time I was, I was stressed as hell, man. Yeah. <laughs> it was not fun at all when you're, you're kind of the one paying for everything, but yeah, it's, it's not easy. Like uh, my parents help where they can. Um, yeah they don't pay for anything though yeah you know exactly. what i mean like like my my car's being built in my dad's garage i wrecked my last car so i'm building a new one and Gosh. uh so while i do that like i have my son most of the time so like my dad will hang out with my kid while i'm working on the car you know yeah and and my mom is always willing to help too like my parents aren't together when they live like on opposite ends of the damn world but like they're always willing to help like hey do you need me to pick up jacob if you have to go take care of something like they're always willing to help and that's like always appreciated exactly and i feel like in in this like i like i kind of like touched on before this this level of drifting is kind of odd i don't know a better word to, to describe it but at least for me, I feel like if you're in Pro 1 or Pro 2, you know, everyone's kind of like behind you because they hear the word, you know, they hear the word Pro. Pro-Am, it's kind of like, 
you know, it's it's great that you're it's great that a family can still help, if you know what I'm saying. But and that's what should make you more appreciative. Like my friend one of my good friends that moved out here recently, Joe, he's probably one of the two people on my crew, so I can't even say he's like lead, because we don't even have much of a crew. Um but this dude seriously is is a Absolutely amazing. And you will seriously find out if you ever do pro-am or anything like this, you will find out who your your true friends are. This dude volunteers himself on the weekends to touch my car <laughs> after it's hot as hell from a few runs. Like he's willing to burn his hands, get down on the ground, do whatever it takes just to make sure we're we have a nice consistent car, like our, our tire pressure, suspension, stuff like that is consistent for the next run. You, I don't know, man, you will have to seriously buy your friends a million rounds of beers for the stuff they're about to go through if you choose to go through Pro-Am or something like this. You, if they choose to tag along and help. Right. It's not only a sacrifice by you, it's going to be a sacrifice by you and your family. And that's kind of been the biggest eye opener to me is that there's, there's people willing to help you out this much. Um, yeah, that's, that's and if I, unbelievable. Yeah. If I could, if I could kind of like touch off of the, the racing and winning subject, it's you're, you're going to realize who matters the most in your life. And that's kind of what's most important to me about, um, you know, we'll say drifting or racing in general is just kind of the the togetherness it's brought. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of people that I've never known for really more than nine months of my life, let's say. And just, just the way they come together to, to accomplish a common goal is insane. You know, we've, we moved out here, or, you know, I moved out here in 20 the beginning of 2017 uh, with the goal to compete in Southwest Drift and probably in, well, not probably, it actually happened in November of 27, what was that, 2017 or 20? No, it was 2017. Uh, we went to a fun event. We were driving with one of the dudes that works on my crew, Joe, and some some dude, some, you know, noodle, we'll just call him, that was at a private event, basically slammed in my car like 40 to 50 miles an hour, like head on impact two months before the pro-am season, like a month or two. Um, I thought the car was totaled. Mm -hmm. Like I thought, you know, I'm just going to have to scrap this chassis and start anew. That was when I met Dylan, Dylan Bedore, uh, the owner of Eleven's Paint. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he's, he's been in the game for a while you know, they've done a ton of drift cars and, you know, I just, I contacted him, I reached out and he told me to drop the car off and probably within like a week or two, like he had this thing pulled out, um, like completely looking like, you know, the car that I, you know, the car that I originally built and the, the, it was a mess, man. The strut tower moved over, you know, the frame rail shifted over and, you know, he called me one day, one lunch, and he was like, "You wanna, you wanna start, you know, you wanna work together for the 2018 season." And that was kind of how we like developed with 
11s. Um, Dylan was our first real sponsor out here. He was kind of really the first dude to give us a chance. Yeah. And, you know, we're forever, we're forever grateful for that. This dude literally, you know, paid the price it cost to get my car's frame pulled out um, kind of before we ever competed. And I don't know, you just, you know, kind of shitty, shitty circumstances bring, you know, someone like that in your life. And you're just, you know, the, the people we've met along this path and we continue to meet are kind of immeasurable. And with something like that, it it makes like a huge difference because all it takes is like one person to believe in you and then you believe in yourself for the rest. Exactly. It's, it's a complete game changer when that happens. Right. It's, it's kind of a. Puts you in a different mentality. Right. It's, it's momentum. And, um, kind of once you get that ball rolling, you've kind of, you know, you don't want it to stop and it's it's a learning experience in the fact that sponsors kind of when it comes i don't know how to kind of dive into this one but i feel like it's something that should be touched on sponsors are something that's not fueled by social media is that something that's kind of like fair to touch on uh i mm, it depends Uh, sometimes it, it is you know, I I know I get it. You have to have a strong social media follow, like you have to have a law lo- a strong social media following. But you don't have to, but it it fucking helps. It does help. It does help because that's how kind of their ROI, so to speak. That's their return on investment is who they're gonna reach a market out to. Exactly. But we, damn, we're kind of touching down a road I don't know how to lead into. It's. Uh, like I picked up a suspension sponsor this year for my car because I'm building a Cadillac now. Oh shit! No way. Yeah. So uh, now I feel like we should be interviewing you. That's way cooler than what we go we got going on. No, no, no. It's it's uh that I didn't even like leave out. Like I don't even tell like the sponsors that like hey I have this I'm doing this or that like or like with this podcast I don't I don't mention this at all. As far as I know, I'm just some dude with like a few followers on Instagram. Is it a CTS? Yeah, it's a first gen CTSV. Oh shit! No way. That's <laughs> so. That's honestly, if we, that's pretty awesome. Honestly, and, if you're gonna do that in real life, that's the car I had. in... did you ever play Need for Speed? Like, or no, not Need for Speed. Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift had a video game for PS2. Did you ever play that? I did not. Uh, did uh, they have that car in there? They did. They did. The first that's, generation. Yeah. Some bitch. I'm gonna have to look that up. That's why I say it's awesome. It reminds me of it. You know, it's gonna. Uh, I'll have that song on repeat though. <laughs> Just on a loop. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Just on a loop as I pull up to the line to qualify and hit the wall again. Dude, that would be. Honestly, if you would hook that up to a stereo, everyone would get that, and that would be super awesome. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, <laughs> But yeah, like I don't mention that. And then, but now I've noticed like with a different car and such an obscure car like the Cadillac, like there's so much more responsive. Like I hit up the same dude I hit up at a suspension company when I built my E46. Granted, I didn't, this was, this was like on a cold email. I was like, hey, I'm building an E46 with LS in it. Sup? And that was pretty much my approach at the time. Like now it's completely changed, you know, and uh, they were like, nah, sorry, man. Yeah. And this time, I responded to that same email that was two years old. I was like, hey, 
and the last time I hit you up, blah, 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 you know, things, I was, it was cold, it, it was, it was cold, I didn't say that, um, you know, I didn't know anything, you know, I, I got a year under my belt now, we wrecked my car, I wrecked my car, and I'm building this now, would you guys like to come on board? He's like, yes. Sounds good. So it worked, you know? Yeah. It, it kind of depends, and a crazy build like that, um, I feel like you'll get some, there's going to be some attention with it, but like for, for myself and a lot of companies kind of, and this kind of goes for anyone that's in the pro-am or looking to enter pro-am that's looking for how you actually get a legitimate spot. Like someone you could work with year after year, not someone like you're like, Hey, guess what? Uh, this is a green car and I have 25 jillion followers and you, you know, you should give me this much money. <laughs> this it, is it, a green car. Right, you know that whole situation. Like, it doesn't realistically work like ass blasting social media. So yeah, yeah. right. You have to have a plan, and you have. To, this is kind of going at anyone, including myself, who's kind of learning and grasping these these facts. You know, I, I'm not gonna sit here and interview like I'm some you know drift god giving expert. Your today you are. Right. <laughs> Thank you. It feels very important, but like, I, I'm not going to give ex, or, you know, my expertise, like I am end all, you know, end all be all this is kind of just my experiences so far. And, you know, I, I don't know if it's my computer, or the, you know, my internet, but either way, they both suck. It's probably, would it probably be awesome? Ask my girlfriend. It's probably <laughs> pretty shitty everything. You know, you're a little spotty for some reason. I noticed that kind of comes in and out. Like, I can hear everything you're saying. It's probably this this townhome complex we live in is just absolute ass. But, so. but when you listen to it, you'll kind of hear it like it'll like drop a little bit. It almost sounds like your voice is cracking. Oh, shit. Yeah. That's probably true, too. I've... <laughs> Don't worry. I'm, I'm about to hit 30. And sometimes, like, yeah, today, my voice cracked. I was like, ooh, I hope no one heard that. <laughs> Yeah, seriously, that happens every single day. Like, I'm talking to someone, I'm just like, oh, if you guys want to get that car, and I'm like, <laughs> sorry, yeah, I'm almost 30. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, you know, it, it, to not to go off too far off topic, so how old are you doing this right now? Right now, I am I'm 20. <laughs> well, yeah, it's kind of sounded dumb right now. I'm 25 years old uh, and kind of doing it. No, not kind of doing it. I'm doing it pretty much all on my my own dollar you know it uh and if you don't mind me asking what do you do for a living to pay for this i am a service technician for porsche the you know everyone knows porsche so <laughs> i was about to say the the car manufacturer i was like who's that <laughs> okay. um you know i've actually you know we won't get too off topic but I, i've had a job change and i you know i work in a porsche dealership so that's that's pretty much it but okay. you know it's okay. even with the the be going between jobs it it i am i'm usually at a shop or wherever i make money 24/7 to make money to go racing for the 36 hours we get in a weekend to go racing you know as i as i was saying before we got cut off it's something that takes over your life uh if you're if you're not willing to give it 300% you know you might as well just don't just and it sounds cliche and it sounds dumb, but like, just don't bring your car. It's, it's going to take everything you have out of you. 
Um, and, and then some. Yeah, right, exactly. And then some, you know, weekends that there's plenty of weekends. I wish, you know, me and my friends could have gone out and just, you know, done the normal 25 year old stuff, you know, oh, let's go out and, you know, get get shit faced and, you know, not have a care in the world. But I do that at the track. Right. It's, yeah, you can do that between you can do that between events. But leading up to that, it's that 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 car has to be running and it has to be ready and if you know you break an arm or you break a rocker arm or you whatever you might fucking do out there in your qualifying run like you're gonna realize that five or ten minutes isn't enough time in the world to fix what's gonna happen to this car so you're you're gonna want this shit ready a hundred percent before you go and that's just been my experience you know my my girlfriend and family has seen just the the stress and uh, I'm making it sound horrible. It's really, it's really great, but getting there can, can be a lot of work and can be tough. It is tough, you know, but would you change it? I would not change it for the world. There's same. I I couldn't. Right. There's a hundred percent. I, I love what I do. And, um, you know, in, in regards to drifting uh, and pro, you know, pro-am as a hobby. And, you know, I get we have to go to work to make money to fund this, but I'm, I'm very gracious uh, for the fact that at, at, 25 year, at 25 years old, I have the ability to, to do this. You know, it's not a lot of people have the ability to do this. And you know, I don't want to seem like I'm some special case. You know, anyone listening to this <sighs> podcast or, you know, anyone can do this. Exactly. You know, any That's the thing. That's the beauty about pro, or, excuse me, uh, pr- drifting compared to sport or motorsports. NASCAR. Like, yeah, exactly. IMSA, NASCAR, F1. You you can't just get in an F1 car or uh, what do they call? They have like electric F1 cars now, which is, is pretty gay to me or it's pretty dumb to me. But like, <laughs> that's it's a thing they do now. Um, you can say gay but, and not be homophobic. Sometimes shit's okay. just gay. I I didn't I I don't know. I didn't want to be like me. I stole that like, joke by the way. That's it, not mine. It, it's a term we used growing up. I'm sorry. Like I know. I was trying to correct him. He, my girlfriend tries. She's patting me on the back. She tries to correct me. Um, it's F1 Australian. You know, with stuff like that. It's not something you could just hop in a car and do. Um, drifting is something you can hop into you, any shit box and do right exactly you can you can get into it 89 s13 with literally nothing going on for it and you can have the time of your life you can bring your family and you know everyone could have fun and to me coming from someone who who grew up you know pretty pretty poor and i guess by today's standards is still pretty poor you know that's amazing to me and that's something that you can truly be proud of and a family could celebrate at the end of the day. And, you know, I've never seen, I've seen, (laughs) there's a lot of dads in pro-am drifting that I have never seen kind of more proud dudes in my life. And I'm sure you've seen it in the drift league and top drift. It's just, 
kind of the togetherness that people that the sport can bring is almost more valuable to me than you know seeing like lewis hamilton win a million dollars you know it's just it's different it's different and it, it is a different sport it's a it's or a, a motorsport, I should say. It's it's kind of got. I forget where I heard this before. I think it was who was it? It was definitely like Ryan Lantana. It's got one hand in action sports like X Games, which probably most of the people drifting grew up watching. Um, I don't know about many people listening, but you know, I grew up in the time where I watched Tony Hawk land the 900, and that was like the most insane fucking thing to me in the face of the planet. It sure the hell was. I remember that. I remember when Scooters <laughs> yeah, came out. Yeah. Wait, when what? Scooters came out. That came out? Scooters? Like the Razor scooter? Oh, shit. Oh. <laughs> Damn. They, that was like a time that like, I'm sure a lot of people that grew up drifting memorize that, but it's got it's also got its foot as well as having it in, you know, judge motor or not judge motorsports, action sports, that's the word they call. It. It's definitely got its foot in traditional motorsports and that's what's kind of crazy to me. You know, my boss who does uh HSR or my former boss who did HSR did like, you know, actually like, you know, historic racing. They don't get, he was like, why don't you pass the car in front of you? And I was like, well, because you'll get disqualified. And he's like, what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, having to explain it to somebody is kind of hard. Right, and that's the that's the craziest thing. You explain it to anyone, they're like, that's not racing. And I was like, no shit. Yeah, exactly. It's, but it, it's like, but how about this? You take a ride in this car sit passenger seat and tell me it's not intense or it's not the most fun thing in the world when you hear a perfect example is um the last round in round three we you know it wasn't it wasn't the outcome we were expecting or hoping for but uh we definitely had a good time um but we were we went against austin kriegel he was our first actual battle our first top 16 was by run you tell me it's not insanely fun when you hear the car's wastegate literally popping off inches from your hood and like it's just i i i just doing road racing um briefly and then doing this i have never experienced something more exhilarating and more fun than drifting and you know what i we can do that without passing the car in front of us it's it's truly insane um yeah yeah i agree i agree yeah i i don't know where to go i just i just uh, a lot of because you know how like you kind of you are permitted to pass on inside clips yes it's the only Uh, time it's allowed yes i think that would be cool but then again at the same time i wouldn't want to right fortunately we've a lot of the battles we've had have been against really 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 good drivers um and it just you know if it was kind of a by run or kind of just like a someone who's kind of a limp noodle it's it's it it's not same it's not the same and uh we had you know you mentioned rome before and like i said he was our first battle in colorado and it was just when you hear 
the other car in your ear like it's right next to you. It's just insanely fun. And it's just something that I feel like no other motorsport really, really gets to <laughs> to experience as a car that close to you for that extended period of time. And or at least a car that close to you that's technically not in total control, like at any moment, like it slipped right. out of you. Correct. Uh, that's what I think about drifting all the time. It's, it's if someone told me, uh, and this comes my old, jo- my previous job, like as I said, was working in uh, a store, you know, a racing series, like a road racing series. You know, those dudes, they show up, they're rich, they show, they get in their car, you know, they drink caviar, drink. What is, is caviar? Do, can you drink caviar? Yes, you dr- yes, you drink caviar. I want you to tell everyone you know that. <laughs> Sorry, I'm an idiot. That's why I have an LS in my car. But hey, <laughs> hey. Oh, oh. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But <laughs> some of our cars came with that. Thank you. That's true. Oh shit, his car came with one. Um, so I'm sorry. My girlfriend is literally right next to me. So, and also she she is probably my biggest supporter. So if you're also in pro am and you have a girlfriend, that's your spotter and that's everything for your mm-hmm. team. So, I know mine is. <laughs> See, hey. she's very happy to be mentioned. <laughs> so, shit, where were we? Uh, Girlfriends or spotters, something. Something. Working for a friend. Working for a Oh yeah. So that's what I I think. Um, anyone that's even in pro am can give themselves a pat on the back because here's what I can say. So let's say someone showed up to what's around that's out here, Irwindale. Let's say Irwindale. It's a track you know well. So we have a lot of the dudes in HSR that, you know, they show up. They literally arrive and drive. They race. And, you know, they'll they'll place literally next to last. And they'll be, like, psyched about that. So the thing about drifting that I've noticed is drifting requires – a certain amount of skill drifting requires a skill that's not kind of developed overnight at least for some people um drifting is something you couldn't hop into a car and complete like let's say someone from you know road racing i said hop in a car and complete the entire track of irwindale whatever layout it may be that's not something someone could hop in a drift car and do. And I think that kind of that's where it deserves some recognition that this, this isn't something that we're, we're like just getting shit faced and hopping in the car. We're, we're, this requires a certain amount of skill. It's not just kind of hop going in a car and kind of making it around a track. There's, there's zones you have to hit. There's, there's a lot more to it than just, yeah, I completed the, you know, the course with ripping my e-brake from time to time and flooring it. Yep. There's something that can there's a skill in drifting that in all drivers that cannot be bought. And I really think that's what's kind of amazing about the drifting scene is that in what is it? Let's say the giving it the better side of 15, 16 years that drifting has been kind of a a professional sanctioned event in the United States. You know, I'm very, 
I'm very optimistic in the way that drifting is going to go. And I think that it's kind of something you want to get on the right side of now in the United States. Uh, and again, this is just my personal opinion, but if you compare the way that drifting has progressed to the way that NASCAR has progressed in the past hundred, what is it, 110 years, I think that drifting is on the right path to be on a larger platform very, very soon. Yep. I agree. Sooner, sooner than we can, uh, you know, even imagine. And I think CBS has like insiders on pro one, um, already. And it's just, it's how it starts. It's exactly. I feel like it's every, every year I've gone into 2015, every year there's us, there's one more step, another step that drifting is taking. Right. Um, and you know, we're just kind of the people that are passionate about seeing it progress and Mm -hmm. there's, you know, there's two sides to it, I feel like, and I just feel like it's not being kind of dissing, but also kind of being honest. There's, there's, you know, there's a side drifting that does want to see it progress. And there's a side that everyone is kind of like, I've heard people at the local events kind of get into accidents and say like, Oh shit, I spilled my beer. And it's like, okay, well, how do you expect us to like be taken seriously? If every track we go to is like worried that we're going to be drinking beers while we're driving. Yes. So there's, there's two sides to it. I feel like, um, but I'm just really glad to see kind of, you know, programs like this and, you know, people that are like 11s and, you know, companies like Outlaw Racing Engines, who's another person that kind of has built the engine for the car this year. People that are, are willing to take a risk and, you know, see that something will will return on their investment. And I'm just, I don't know, I'm just, I'm really proud to be a part of everything that's going on with the drifting and just... <laughs> in general, I don't know, you know. No, I have to agree. Hard. I think I think it's heading in the right place and I think uh people are you can make a career out of this. It's coming. Like not so many people are making a career out of it now. A lot of people are out of pocket. Yeah. And I think uh soon it's soon it's going to change to where there's no entry fee. You know, where Formula D has enough backing possibly. You know, they're all, to bring their you know, guys out. Be like, "Hey, come show up, put on a show." There are dudes like well, obviously, everyone knows. I can't say there are dudes like there's dudes, you know. There's dudes like Forsberg and Osmo and and Turk. Like those are some of the biggest names in kind of professional drifting that you can think of. Yeah, and Vaughn, and, right? And Vaughn, um, and you know what? What is Chelsea? Chelsea Denofa has even gone to a large platform now. But it's like, yeah, you when know, a lot of people are are thinking that like when they're looking for sponsors or they're looking for, you know, this, that, and the other, that's what they're looking for. That's what they think that drifting is going to, that's what they think drifting is going to. And I guess you have to, right. You have to really listen to the words here. That's what they think drifting is going to give them when you don't realize, like you should be amazed at the fact that they are there. Cause that's what drifting can offer. Does that like make any sense to anyone? That makes sense to me. Just right. be, you know, it's just because you can make a million dollars doesn't mean you're gonna make a million dollars. Like exactly. it's a possibility. Possibilities probably low. 
Yeah, you, exactly. You should be happy that... And I'm, not, and I'm not saying for anyone that, li like, listening to this, you know, it can't happen to you or don't. Like, never, never give up on what you want to do or never give up on your dreams or, you know, never think less of yourself. But what we should focus on, like, right now is the fact that drifting can offer that opportunity to them. Not that it will. There's no guarantee that that's going to offer that for you. And, like, you know, to not sugarcoat it, it like I like we discussed before. It's it's gonna be hard. It's gonna be a rough road, but this can have a, a lot of payoff if you're willing to put in the time and take it seriously. If if you're willing to put in the time, learn and you know. This is an overnight thing. Exactly. It's not like you're gonna fucking say, "Hey, guess what? I slid one corner." You know, plus four thousand followers, like. It's not going to happen like that. It's. I think it happened for one person, from my understanding. Some dude did something on an on-ramp. Video went viral. Is it that meme with, like, the BMW that's, like, the two directions on the on-ramp? Do you know what I'm talking about? No. 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 Uh, it's just hearsay, so I don't even say what kind of car it was. Yeah, well, I, it was before my time getting into drifting. Hey, you know what? If if you slide one on ramp and you make it big, good for you. <laughs> yeah, good for you. You're like he's like a one hit wonder. Like he's the one. I'm I'm looking at my girlfriend right now. She he's knows music wonder. more than me. What? I don't know. What? What? Not Eminem. He's not a one hit wonder. What? Damn it. Uh, <laughs> there's a two hit wonder. The dude that sang what it's like. Rick Roll. I don't know. He also sang the <laughs> song. He's also the lead singer of House of Pain. Whoever sang through the grapevine, that's the one. Who's through the grapevine? I, I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. But anyway, you know what we mean. Like, he, yeah, yeah, very, yeah. Very seldom do does someone like make it big in one shot. Um, lit, lit was a one hit wonder. Sorry, I just had, I had to get one out there. Lit? Well, yeah, okay. lit. She's like, is that like a twenty? All right. I'm now I can't stop thinking like teenagers and like I know I sorry it's, I, <laughs> if somebody brings something up I I have to say it until I if not it'll drive me nuts. Um, but yeah, it it is definitely something that is not overnight. This is something that's going to be probably, you know, years in the making if you're lucky, like months. But it's yeah, it, it shit. I just forgot where we're going. It's it's definitely a high dollar. It's definitely a high dollar operation. And as you kind of, we're going into followers, right? Yeah. So where was I? But like you said, you mentioned high dollar, and it's like a lot of people think like, oh, I gotta drop twenty grand. I don't have twenty grand. I didn't spend twenty grand because I don't have twenty grand. I spent that over it, time. It's, <laughs> Like, I bought a chassis, I began to work on it. You order one part at a time, whatever you can afford. Yes. People and can't that, wrap their head around that sometimes. There's, You know, there's also kind of the interesting part of now. You know, when I when I first picked up my, my S13 and then I got this, you know, the S14, I was like, oh, well, if you, if you don't, 
if you don't buy it kind of like already caged and everything like you're you're lame tbh that's like the way to go <laughs> it's like did you just say tbh oh uh, i my girlfriend even said uh all right <laughs> I, it... uh, can we edit that out uh, sorry no <laughs> no we certainly can't <laughs> we, we've had a lot of champagne um, i've been drinking beer all night don't worry so tbh go ahead to be honest um we've you know if the route that i would choose if i could do it all over again and say like someone was like hey you don't even have to delete i would you know i would mostly buy a car ready to go like not meaning the engine ready to go but buy something kind of caged prepped and ready ready for an engine swap if that makes you know any sense that's gonna be 100 percent agree this car i got had a cage in it exactly and that's gonna be your hugest or your biggest hugest expense whatever you call it yeah that's gonna be your biggest expense is getting whether you're gonna be getting all that sound deadening out or clearing whatever or cutting whatever you're gonna have to that is so much work and people don't fucking know what that's like Exactly. And it's either you stay outside, you know, I don't know if it was as bad. When I built this S14, I was in Philadelphia. So in the winter, it was like 20 degrees out at night. The shop I worked at, that's where I would finish the car is at night. Like when we clocked out, um, I would finish my car, like the car I was building. He was like, oh, yeah, just go knock the, you know, pour the dry ice over the sound deadening and then go knock it out. And it was like the middle of December, January. It was fucking 20 degrees. And just being out there in like three jackets and just dying. It's. <laughs> and your fingertips hurt. Yeah. And like you'd hit it with a hammer and you're just like, oh, you wouldn't even hit I'm it with a hammer. You would just touch it for hours. Like, you would just touch it by accident somewhere else. And it would, you're like, just fall off. Just it's it's just absolutely not fun, um, you know, but the reward, like I said, is is worth every second of it. Just if you have a space heater, put that in the car. That's like recommend. Yeah, definitely. Um, but there was, you know, there was definitely a lot of kind of trials and trials and errors with the car, uh, so to speak, to build something that's competitive. And I, I definitely didn't, I definitely didn't build a competitive car overnight. And you know, I still won't sit here, you know, in this interview and say I have the most competitive car in Pro Am. Because there's, you know, people like the Sorensons, and that just you'll never, you'll never be able to financially compete with them. And yeah, but you, you have like a, from what you've told me, you have like a happy medium. Exactly. You, you know, have to, it's not the best, and it's not a shit box. Right in the middle, you're good to go. Correct. You have to build something that's, I guess, in your budget. If you have the budget to build a Pro One car, you know, you know, you could build it, Ball and you'll out. be. You know, that's that's on you, you know. Or if you can build it yourself. Um, right. To most people listening to this to this interview, you know, we're kinda we're we're here from nine to five. We're working, we're just trying to, you know, get by and also do this, I guess you could say. Like do pro am and you know, eventually with goals of pro two and pro one. But yeah, you're you wanna build something that's just not 
as insane. And I think there are smarter ways to spend your money. Like one thing I've learned this season is, you know, I've wanted the dog box and I've wanted fancy things like a a quick change rear end. And, you know, while that all sounds cool, the clunk and the, the cool clutter when you put a dog box in the gear and stuff like that, you can spend the money elsewhere and still beat up on these cars uh, with we... the dog box. Go ahead. I said you can still beat up on those cars with the dog box. Correct. You know, we uh, we finished. It's a bummer. We finished fourth overall this season. We were we were tied for third for you know pretty long time. We were really hoping for that Pro Two license, but you know that's also. Part of competitive racing, sometimes, you know, you get the brakes you don't want. And that's just what it is. Did you petition for it? Petition? Yeah, for your Pro 2 license. I don't know if they'll no. give it to you, but I, from my understanding, like, any asshole can go out you there know, and petition for we... it. Or you want to earn your license. What? All right, so more okay. time. So uh, I was saying, have you considered petitioning for your license? You know, we were... If we could be 100% honest, the day of the round, round three, there was a shortened season this year for Pro-Am. We definitely thought there was some calls in qualifying that were kind of a little shadier than others, so to speak. But that was for my kind of first qualifying run. Um, Shady or favorited? I would say favorited, if I could if I could use a word. Um, but or someone was showing more leniency than others. Definitely, I, I I would definitely agree with that. For the the competitors' second qualifying run, you know, I I would definitely say I saw a, someone super park it, but that's that's me. I'm gonna touch on that real quick because I think that's the thing with this sport as being a judge sport by a human. There's you... uh, there's that sense of compassion in being excited about something, mm-hmm. and you know person A can do just a who's been struggling you know all year can just do a you know a mediocre line or just you know the same run just you know a mediocre line and then person B who's been killing it all year does that same run you know I feel like person B is gonna get a higher score right and that's all right I'm back sorry that felt so good yeah same <laughs> hold on one second I forgot to grab a beer while I was up. Oh, shit. We're going to be like five minutes. Hang on, hang on. Sorry about that. Uh, it's all good. Sorry that I have to keep pissing so much. No, I'm, uh, I, you know, last time, I didn't know uh, I interviewed Matt Van Kirk last episode. Oh, yeah. Good I didn't hand. know he could see me. He could see you the entire time? Yeah, I, did, I didn't know. I don't know how to fucking use this thing. Like that was I said, weird. Third time using it today. He's like, yeah, I can see you, by the way. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. I can't see you. I just see a little circle that says JH. Works for me. So that he could see you. That dude honestly seems hilarious and seems really cool. I watched the original like FD thing where he like grabbed her hand. Yeah. And I, who I was like the only one that burst out like laughing or laughing, <laughs> la- laughing when he did that. So did I. I was like, that's, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But I'm the only one that watches FD. Like, like I always watch it by myself. I don't, I don't want to fucking have anybody over and deal with them and have hear them comment. I just want to watch it alone quietly. Right. Everyone that I watch it with is like, you watch FD, and I'm like, yeah, I like enjoy watching it. And they're like, <clears throat> yeah, you know, I'm the stuff. same way. I watch every fucking event. Right. Like from dude, my I couch, like we, or I'm there. It's. I feel like other. we should just start watching events together, and we could leave all our hater friends at home. Yeah. Fuck those assholes. 
<laughs> yeah, seriously, they don't enjoy anything cool. Yeah, it's so, yeah. That's so awesome. Yeah, he, he had Matt Van Kirk, the dude that grabbed the microphone. I'm sorry, I told my girlfriend. Yeah, she saw I, it too. She thought it was funny. I, I, I don't, I don't know if he was a huge so, fan because uh, he was. Uh, what did I hang on? I gotta read it real quick. I, I, I gave him like two nicknames, and it's you know he doesn't know me, so he's probably like fuck this dude. Um, I think the first one I said. That's what I hear every day. I, oh, I get Matt, Matt the mic holder Van Kirk. And then when I released the episode, I said, I even titled the Hello? episode. Hello. Yeah, I'm over <laughs> talking about that. We'll just move on. Go ahead. You were saying something? It's It was like breaking up. I know. Um, I don't even want to repeat myself now. Go ahead. <laughs> I forget what I was saying. Uh, we both had to go potty on the same cycle. Oh, right, watching FD. And oh, yeah. So, yeah. Think are losers. Of- we're losers. Yeah, a lot of my friends will think I'm like like a loser. For some reason, like when I it was like 2015, 2016, I I like thought FD was like pretty cool. Like I was like, oh yeah, I want to do that one day. And like, same. That's <laughs> how it my, starts. Yeah, that's when like my friends like or and I'm saying it in quotations. My friends like hated me the most was when like I wanted to like compete. Um, kind of a like silly stigma. I feel like that goes on between like grassroots and competitive drifting. Yeah. I feel like it's kind of silly. I feel like there's a lot of grassroots talking down on competitive drifting. And one of my friends and also one of the dudes that, uh, you know, he, he's probably, well, I shouldn't say he's my lead. He's really my only crew member. <laughs> it's uh, Joe. Uh, Joe, how do you say his last name? Accuracy. We can't even say his last name right, honestly. That's nice. It's, no, it's it's really hard to say. It's it must not, be harder to spell. It's 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 so much easier to spell like A C C U R O S O or O S A. How would you say that? Like Italian. Accuroso. It's a curso. Anyway, we don't we have a hard time saying. But anyway, isn't it a curso? Yeah, a Did you just get it right? A cursor. Yeah, I think you got it right. He and he's. I can never say. I would say a curoso, but like I didn't just completely. I don't don't even see the O in between the R and the and the S. All right, so I guess I'm the dickhead, but someone is. Go ahead. It's all good. Everyone. Um. Anyway, great greatest dude you could ask for on a team. Uh, I think. In going into round one before Vegas, we didn't we didn't blow up one, but we blew up two engines, and uh, that's kind of something like you don't hear of. Uh, you know, in I feel like in pro am, like someone just blowing up engines left and right. You know, we had typically yeah, typically that doesn't happen. No one really has like a a big build that's on the edge. Right, and that's the thing. We didn't have a, a super crazy build that was like a V8 that was strung out to you know its last ounce of energy, but we had a a cracked oil filter housing. Our oil filter is kind of remote, remotely located off the engine bay. Mm-hmm. Um, the housing was cracked, sending the inlet like from the engine and the outlet pressure to the engine, and they would mix. 
We wiped out two engines because of that shit. That cost me like a hundred dollar part. Cost you how much? Probably like eight thousand dollars all said and done. Uh, <laughs> and between like two full engine builds and like, luckily we had we had one of the sponsors, Outlaw Racing Engines, here. The 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 second time they they took care of it. Like the first engine refresh, they went you know, above and beyond kind of improving what was already damaged. And then once we took it out for like, we had the car, no panels, no anything. We took it out for kind of some practice laps at a local event. And in four laps, we destroyed the other engine. And, and just to uh, clarify, it wasn't the engine builder because when you, I'm assuming when you took them, the motor, you didn't take them re the relocation. Um, correct. Okay. So yeah. it was, something yeah, well, kind of on it, you for most part it was it yeah we'll say it was on me it was mostly it was not an outlaw racing engines at all they yeah did. okay just want to make sure because i don't want someone yeah. to hear it and be like oh fuck that place i'm not going there no no not don't fuck outlaw racing engines if anything they're they're a phenomenal shop we're probably one of the only drift cars they deal with yeah. uh they have like like a a, a 2000 3000 horsepower pro mod so like my you know, 450 horsepower engine is like nothing to them. Um, they did it with their eyes closed. Yeah, they they seriously were like, "Oh, you want this built? Here you go." <laughs> like, phen phenomenal guy. Seriously, will will go above and beyond to take care of their customers. But you know, unfortunately, we had we had a faulty part um, that that wiped out that work. Uh, you know, we ripped the engine out. Probably, it was like. Five, four or five days until the first round of Vegas and you know we ripped it out and they they took it in you know rebuilt it and then we slapped it back in and a lot of people will say like oh well that's nothing you know you you put a new engine in a car but if you're in pro-am and you know you're like me you live in a in a, a townhome <laughs> with like noise regulations and stuff like that's that's not easy and you know luckily we were we were able to find someone like, you know, Dylan at Eleven's Paint, who who was kind of gracious enough to take his his paint and body shop and turn it into, you know, something uh, a full out shop for a car that's you know excessively loud and you know requires excessive attention. So it's kind of there's a lot of people that definitely have the resources to do so like they have a big shop or you know their dad's in a drag racing or there's a few dudes in southwest drift that their dad's into road racing so they already have you know a lot of a lot of the stuff they need or shop space or yada 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 but you know for someone like myself it's we don't have these resources available we're not and probably the biggest frustration of our, our racing program is we're not we're not self-sufficient and you know we'll admit that right now and it's something we're working towards as a team but we rely heavily on a lot of people to get us by um and that sucks like there it's plain and simple you know if you were in our our position it, it kind of sucks you got to definitely have a good setup the whole foundation damn i just gave away my keyword i guess the whole purpose goal anything you could say in drifting is to build a strong foundation and you can go from there once you have a strong foundation your racing program at least in my opinion is going to be limitless 
and for foundation, a lot of people aren't going to understand what that means. And for you, what does it mean for you? Because everyone's foundation is different, and people don't people won't understand that. What's yours? Foundation to me, and this is me personally, is somewhere you could base your program out of. Somewhere where you can, and it it's going to go from you know everything such as build a new car or build a, a tube rear on your car, build a, a tube front on your car. Somewhere where you can make this car something beyond what Nissan, BMW, Toyota, Scion, whatever chassis you choose. Yeah, Cadillac. (laughs) Something that they intended it to be. Um, This is going to require, this isn't going to be like just bolt on a few things and go to make a competitive drift car. This is going to be kind of you know, grassroots and competitive events and just kind of years, months of collections of just what you've observed, like following cars, what you've observed leading cars, what just, and you have to develop a feel for the car. That's kind of where the mechanical ability, um, I've noticed a lot of dudes in drifting, you know, whether they come from mechanical backgrounds or, you know, whether I, I skated or BMX, like a lot of the dudes in drifting definitely have a good feel and are definitely in tune with their cars. Yeah. Um, which is something I, you know, working around kind of a HSR or other racing series, I've never seen drivers so in tune with their cars. Um, they can feel what's wrong with it. You know, I've, it, it's, it's really amazing that I, I, I've met. I'm just going to blame your internet this time because last time it, I had no problems. It probably is. We're like, that, work, that works for me as long as you take control. <laughs> we're laying in bed and like watching Parks and Rec half. And like, I love that stupid show. We love it too. We've seriously been watching. This is like the fourth time we've watched it on I'll, Netflix. I'll watch it again. I don't care. Yeah, have you guys, uh, have you guys seen... Um, shit, man. I can't even think of the damn show right now. Uh, it's a show about children going through puberty. It's a cartoon. I can't. Big Mouth. Big Mouth. Yes. Yeah. Fucking yes, love that show. It. Yeah, it's disturbing. Favorite, my favorite line is when he just says, "I ejaculated my pants," and I I can't stop laughing. No, I can't. It. I can't never mind. Oh, never mind. We can't say it. It's like I guess inappropriate, but yeah, yeah I we think love you already it. said something inappropriate. We're good. Yeah, we're past that. But we like stuff along that. <laughs> so. My favorite part when he was like, "Sleeping it, pig." did you see the one the last episode of season one with like rambo shit i can't remember like the 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 specific thing you're talking about i get like really specific into it they like go in like rambo and they're like in the fan boat it's all about puberty but it's a good show to watch (laughs) we like it we like the theme song and everything i downloaded the damn theme song we're getting way off topic (laughs) Yeah, it's all right. We're we're big fans of Nick Kroll. If Nick Kroll is listening, but and John Mulaney, if he's listening also, but I love John Mulaney. He's seriously hilarious. But um, where were we before we started going on topics? Ah, uh, drifting. You were saying the last one. Oh yes, but so there is, you know, there is definitely a lot of dudes that we compete with in the series. A lot of the dudes are definitely great drivers, but we're we're also, you know, looking to beat them in any way possible. And that's kind of just like the breaks of pro-am drifting. It's like 
you all show up in the morning and you're happy. It's like, hey, good morning. But, you know, once qualifying starts, it's like no fuck one knows you, one fuck another. You, fuck you. Yeah. No, not really. But it, and I but have a question yeah, for you about you. that real like, quick. Dude, so, I was so no. I couldn't explain when I couldn't explain the amount of disappointment. Um, you know, when we we found out, it's, like, hey, it's a bummer. It's ahead. a letdown, right? The best way to put it, it's a major letdown. It it is a major letdown. But you, you know the. A guy I worked with, Mike Winones, at One Motion, would always tell me, "You can't, don't view failure as a failure. Don't view it as that. It failure sucks. Failure is something we could definitely be sober about. Um, we could definitely kind of, you know, regroup and relearn from it. But it's not all negative, and that's kind of the thing you have to learn about mistakes and and failures. Is it's not it's not something to be ashamed of. It's not something that you should just give up when you fail. Like I was absolutely, I not broken. And I'm not going to say like I was devastated to the point I couldn't go to work the next morning, but you know, I, I was definitely super bummed. This is definitely phased you. All right. This is, it's not something I was like, Oh, well, let's go. Well, let's go grab a few beers. You know, it's something that whole night I kind of just, I thought of, but and how many points did you lose by? It was like one or two or something insanely, insanely close. Insanely. That's got to be fucking infuriating. It it was it was a bummer. You know, if I could get like the the and that was my goal for, you know, my sponsors and stuff to, to take to try to take them to a larger platform. Um that is pro too. That is like, you know, road Atlanta, stuff like that. And, you know, I thought that would be a great way to kind of promote them is kind of put them on a larger platform. And, you know, we were definitely bummed, but, you know, everyone at round three drove, you know, drove their absolute insane, like their in most insane limits. And you can't take away, you know, the amount of performance that, you know, Blaze and Tony and, and Traverse put on. You got to be sober about it. You got to learn from it. You can't just, and, and I, I feel like that's something I see with a lot of dudes now in drifting is they'll lose out on something or they won't do competitive just because they kind of want to be at that level where everyone kind of goes home at the end of the day and just says they, they, did, they did fun, which there's nothing wrong with that. But if you could roll with the punches and learn from it, Pro-Am will definitely be for you and it will definitely favor you. Um, it'll and it'll grow you as a driver. I could safely say that in my first year, I I I think not only I've I've grown as a driver, I've grown as a person. I you know I've learned to kind of work as a team with myself not being the team player. Obviously, the the, the real the real player of the team is the car, and we're all kind of just what do you say tools. Yeah, tools, right. We're tools to make this thing. Well, we are tool bags, but like, <laughs> we're, we're, we're here to make this. We're all here for a common purpose to make this car win. Yeah. And we, you know, just through through crew and just trial and tribulation. Um, you can't give up. Right. You can't give up. And, you know, if you get into it, we were we were kind of hope hopeful and wishful thinking that this my first full competitive season was going to be my last full competitive 
pro-am season like we were going to go into pro-am kind of one and done or not pro-am excuse me pro two and that wasn't the case and it was devastating but well not devastating but it was it was a super bummer and you can't something when something like that happens you know being in my shoes it you know and explaining it to everyone else they're kind of like oh duh, like why does that suck but it sucks. It's something you, you put your life into, you know, up until October 28th, I put pretty much my, my heart, soul, everything I had into pro-am drifting. I, I'm not rich by any means. There's yeah. right. There's, you know, if I wreck my car, I'm out for a season. Like it's, it's not like I, I have the money to just start a new one and, and finish it in two months. Same. I just got a sweet <laughs> deal. I got lucky. Exactly. Like, that's the thing. It's, it's, you either get lucky or it's, 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 you know, almost a year out of your life that you're putting on the track. And, you know, it's, it's rewarding, but at the same time, it can be very just, that's the word I'm looking for. It can be very heartbreaking when something happens on the track. And that's kind of what you got to (laughs) understand. When you enter Pro-Am, and I know Pro-Am is the, kind of the lowest level of kind of the FD-sanctioned events. Yeah. But even at this lowest level, when you put your car out there, it's it's like a light switch. You're either in it 100% or you're in it 0%. There's no halfway. There is seriously no halfway with this sport. Um, be, whether it be even getting your car to the event i think you know one of the rounds is in colorado shit that cost me probably sixteen hundred dollars just in fuel to get the car there not like anything to to register to drive not a hotel not your food right not hotel not and it wasn't even like it was or hotel and food for like an insane crew it was me and my dad (laughs) like and i i didn't dads are fucking sweet by the way Dads are rad. Dads are the best. Um, I think probably the only dude that is radder than my dad is uh, Dave Curtis's dad. He's pretty rad. <laughs> um, I better hope your dad yeah. don't hear this. Yeah, shit. Please, please don't like send this to my dad. <laughs> um, he, but the no, those are two dads that are just an example of like even. When I say like it's gonna take, it's gonna suck your family into it. It literally will suck your family into it. And like you know, I don't and, know if there's many anybody moms. that is yeah that it means anything that wants to be with you, wants to be in your life, they're gonna get dragged into it too. Right. And even my girlfriend is here listening to this. She like I know was kind of like the you know on like the edge of a black hole, like where you're just like oh kind of what's going on here. Like she got sucked into it. Like <laughs> too late, sucker. Yes. Bitch. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, shit. We joke around like that. That's how we do in this house. But, hey, you know, to each their own. So, you, know, you know, it's, but that's so, how it worked out the same deal she, with yeah, me. Yeah, she got sucked in. But, um, you know, I see a lot of mom, moms in it and stuff like that. But, sorry, Neil. Like I said, it will. It will take all. It will take over your life. There, there is no doubt about that. You are going to be kind of in the splash zone, so to speak. And Shamu is coming down. Like you're just gonna. It's to have a family in there. It, it is definitely you know more support than you can need. Um, Agreed. It's it's you just got to be beyond grateful, and you got to realize that you're. And, 
and you can't just arrive and drive you know you can't just show up in your lamborghini and be like yeah you, you what's up you know achilles pays me five hundred thousand a year you can yeah you, and how many and you're gonna show up real quick how you're many? gonna be nobody and i hate that this is like the harshest thing ever but like you're gonna have to just put your head down and, and drive and work and like and even if you suck just like i did i still do i still drove and i wrecked Dude, a fucking car honestly it's still there Figures. yeah I'm here. you know i i feel like as a driver if you if you think that you're end all be all um you're just gonna plateau and, and i don't i don't think that having as a drive hello i'm here no he's back it's sorry it gets like quiet on our computer for a second i because i'm not saying nothing oh okay as a driver if you don't kind of question and criticize yourself um you know something that works for me as a driver that i do is i i watch kind of footage of the runs mm -hmm. you will plateau and there's no doubt about that in my mind that if you think you are hot shit uh you you will plateau and you will fail and it's something you kind of just being a better driver being better crew it's it's just all constant development and i think being a better anything is always questioning yourself. Exactly. And that's one of the things that me and, me and one of the dudes I used to work with talked about is um, being, you know, even being a good technician, like our day job, you have to question yourself. You have to question, are you right? And as a driver, like I even question myself like shit. When anytime we go up to qualify, if anything, qualifying runs are more pressure than tandem runs. You know, I'm just... I'm literally almost having a panic attack every time I pull up to the starting line. But the second you get into the burnout box, it kind of all disappears like this. And I don't know if it's for anyone else like that. When you guide the steering wheel through your hands, like it kind of goes all, away. Right. It all falls into place. Like you're not the pressure. You're, no one's really watching you. It's so stupid because it sounds so cliche, but it's like nothing else. Nothing right. you're fucking Th doing. You Nothing in your life like, identifying that it is fucking so cliche, matters. I, like, oh, I sound like the most. It does. It, I hate cliches. You know the worst thing I hate about cliches is that they're fucking true. Still there. The stupid thing I hate about cliches is that they're true. And then you know when you're in that, every person you've seen it in fucking Fast and the Furious. So that's why it's kind of rough to say. And but when you're in that moment and you're like, you have the steering wheel in your hand and it, you're ready to go, like nothing else matters yes that's zero like that yeah it's it's kind of it it is true like when, you're only thinking about that one particular moment you're not thinking about your fucking bills you're not thinking about is my car gonna break you're just thinking i'm gonna drive yes and like it, it has been to the point where my shit my engine has gotten like two like 250 degrees and it's just like all you're focused on is the car in front of you you're just staring at the door or staring at the mirror or staring at whatever you need to 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 get you in a zone where you get as close to that car as possible um that's kind of where it is and like i pulled off the track and you know, shit, my hood is almost blowing off because my radiator cap is, like, trying to, you know, escape. escape. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's kind of crazy. Something, and I guess that's where the happy medium is, is if you want to continue and drifting and you're like me, where you don't have a ton of money, but you want to be competitive, because if we, if we 
face it all if we face the facts of today pro-am drifting is like at a level where pro one was in like 2010 mm-hmm. it's just excelled so fast to where 500 horsepower is the norm it's not like you're in a pro-am setting Right, it's not like you're a, a crazy car with 500 horsepower, a dog box, and a quick change. Like you're you're a normal car. But like that's av- that's not to say you cannot be a consistent driver with 300 horsepower. Right, that so is absolutely just not to cut you off. But there's a dude named Daryl Perino. I hope I sp- pronounced his last name right. He's in an E36 with like a 5.3 uh, truck engine. Really. Yeah, and, most consistent top 16, moving his way into a more, a more consistent top 8 driver than anybody else I know. And he's got like 300, 350 at the wheels. And that's what I feel like drifting. That's the biggest, you know, to me, he sounds like, I, obviously, I don't know this dude personally. I've never met him, but he sounds like a great driver just because he's consistent. And that's the biggest challenge in drifting is kind of con- keeping consistency in a sport that's so inconsistent. Correct. Um, a sport and that's I, constantly evolving. Right. And I I mean that kind of in a way that, you know, you follow someone and, all right, so let's say you follow, let's say you follow me and, you know, I'm, my, since I have WiseFab, it, it's another question my, one of my crews ask all the time is WiseFab cheating. I don't think WiseFab is cheating when three quarters of the rest of the competition has it. You're all cheating. But, we're all cheating. <laughs> yeah, you cheat together. But we all we all park it on each other. Yeah, it's, it's like when everyone's speeding on the freeway. I together. <laughs> I I don't know. No, I'm, I'm I recently joke. made the change to Wisefab, uh-huh. and I can I have no complaints about it. Besides the fact that once you have Wisefab, you get used to using Wisefab. I've heard about and, that. It, it's it's not for everyone, right? Maybe and maybe it's not for me. Maybe that's one of the the lessons I've had to develop this season after having it. What, but when I did, have all that angle, I use all that angle. What and did you like, have before? I had literally cut and weld knuckles with offset rack spacers. It was you. Didn't, you didn't what, have extended lower control arms. I did. They were by like twenty millimeters or something like that. It wasn't insane. Just extended and boxed. Um, but toge fact toge factory gotcha uh, tie rods 300 or ends 300 zx inners and you know it was a good setup the only problem i had was i over centered a lot you know when, I, when you say over centered i have no idea what the hell you're saying yeah uh, basically the ball joint surpasses or excuse me the tie rod end surpasses the ball joint and just basically broke the knuckle off every single time like it went past the point of travel. Gotcha. So what would happen is I would, my tie rod would pass my ball joint. Mm-hmm. Like it, the line would go off center. And when I would go to return, basically my steering wheel would be locked in the one position. Like it would be like locked all the way to the left or locked all the way to the right. And to get out of that, I would have to either like try to death grip and pull or I would just eat shit into the grass and look like an idiot and then get towed off track because I had broken knuckles. So, yeah, finally I figured out I was over-centering, got the 25-millimeter 
I forget if it was 25. I think it was 25. The Circuit Sport offset rack spacers, and that fixed it for a little bit. Um, the steering still felt kind of twitchy. You know, if you have shit, I might be the only person on, you know, a drifting thing that might do this, but if you have the money for WiseFab, by all means, get it. It's, yep. it's yeah, it's and gonna... Real quick, is there any reason you didn't go with PVM or any other kit that's out there? You know, I can't... The only reason I didn't go with PBM was probably, and this is just my experience, just because I've talked to people with the WiseFab, and I've talked to people, or and and they've kind of ranted and raved it about it, and that's just kind of what I tried. Um, I've never tried the PBM. I've heard... I've talked to Pat Mordaunt when he was competing in Formula Drift. Yeah. Probably his season, that's what he used on his 350Z. Uh, I've heard great things about it. You know, I've heard basically it's kind of linear with a WiseFab, but just kind of WiseFab is, is kind of just... Industry standard. Yeah, you know... I, hold, hold that thought. I'm going to I'm gonna hang up and go potty. Take a dump? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I was holding it for a long, long fucking time. <laughs> so it was a long pee. If I took a dump, we'd be holding on for like 30 minutes because I'd get lost on my phone for at least, you know... Exactly. 40. That's what friends oh don't understand. God. You. It's not like I'm on there because I'm. Tra- yeah, like, not in there fucking pulling my pork. I'm down a rabbit <laughs> hole on fucking Google. Right. We're looking at memes and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> or what? That's... What fucking connecting rods I should get? <laughs> right. See. Depends yeah. on the day. Thank you. You just saved me. I I go at like three in the morning. So. Uh, I, you I... know that's an awkward time. Right. <laughs> I don't know. It's when my schedule started up. Anyway, back to drifting. <laughs> yeah, back to uh, back to Wisefab. Oh yeah, so yeah, Wisefab. Well, it's it'll cost a lot of money, but you know, depending on the, the setting, you know, you'll love it. I I I got it thinking a dude named Justin Hoitsmo was the one that told me Wisefab is kind of a lower caster setting. It's going to be all self steer kind of where the driver inputs i mm-hmm. set mine i have my caster right now set at seven and a half i have wisefab i steer the car completely with the throttle uh i literally have no complaints about it so you know i, guess, I don't have ahead. enough experience to say what the hell my setup was i i have a i had a uh, cut knuckles extended lower control arms on my BMW, and it was ju- it was from driftknuckles.com. I don't know if you ever heard of them. Yeah. So I did that instead of me getting the lollipops, which allow you adjust for camp for a caster. I never did. I just used the stock ones that were there, and I was like, "Fuck it, they work." I never had to turn really hard. I usually just let go of the steering wheel and like tap the throttle or the brake, and it would just turn. So you let go of the steering wheel and what? Uh, let go of the steering wheel and tap the throttle or tap the brake, and it would just turn, depending on how hard I wanted it to transition. Every time you say let go, it, like, cuts out. Uh, this fucking internet's about to let go. I'm going to restart my, lou- my router. Hang on. I'm going to call you back. Okay. Hello? Yep. It said missed call, but, like, it didn't even ring. I don't, you know, I restarted my router real quick, you know, just to be safe. <laughs> Oh, router reset, huh? Yeah, you know, we got, we're fucking poor here. We live in L.A. We have, like, the worst internet ever. Is You said it's four here? No, we're poor here. Oh, I was like, shit. We don't want to move a state over. It jumps up five hours. Oh, uh, no. 
No, I wish it was. Oh, your math is a little off. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh wait, I'm I'm going off of my time. Your math is not off. Uh, what I forgot what the hell we were talking about. Wise Fab. Yeah, uh, Wise Fab, the trials and tribulations of having it. Um, another. I'm trying to think of other points to pro am drifting. There's so many. Just getting into pro am. Getting into pro am. Just it's... getting into pro am. A lot of people like cannot wrap their heads around like so if you're i guess you could say my girlfriend's doing headstands now yeah i guess you get sorry i looked over and got distracted for a second i guess you could say for pro-am drifting if you want to get into it it just really requires that you kind of have a, a basic sense of driving with someone you know I don't want to sit here and act on a high horse like you like oh yeah you need to be like <laughs> you need to be you know like me to be in pro am it's you need to be yourself to be in pro am right it's exactly for everyone it's it's kind of and it's going to sound cliche and corny it's it's within you to do pro am it's within you to really set kind of whatever whatever level you want to go with in drifting or in NASCAR you know for it's within you how far you want to go with this. Just the question is, are you ready to put in the time? Are you ready to put in kind of the, the, the long hours, the late nights? the? Are you ready med- to not have a life? Right. Are you ready? You know, it's cool. And everyone sees kind of when they're they're my age, at least, like, you know, they're like, oh, you know, all I want to do is like, all I want to do is girls and go out and like club and all this stuff. And like, it's kind of one or the other. If, if you do choose to pursue this, it's not, you know, unless your family is extremely, you know, affluent and you just got life by the balls, but it's going to take over your financial situation. It's going to take over your social situation. You know, there's times I wish I could go out with friends a lot. Um, but it's just, I, you know, I can't cause money and it's, it's whether I decide, you know, if I want to go to the next practice round and, you know, kind of test and tune the car or, or you choose not to, but there is no 50%, I guess you could say in any sort of program or FD event. It's just, it's an all or nothing deal. <laughs> right. And that's even a at the kind of lower level of pro-am it's and once you advance from pro-am it's you're going to need to get you're going to need to get other companies on board you will unless you're you know like i said before your family's super affluent you're you're not gonna have this by the balls you're gonna need help you're gonna need assistance you're gonna need other companies on board and you're gonna need things like rois and you're gonna need to learn kind of the business side of racing and that's and another thing is is you you, from your perspective, or at least from my from my understanding, your your perspective is is to go pro. So it might be different for somebody who just wants to do pro am. Like you can just show up to a round. That's cool too. Yes, you can show up to a round. There are. That's okay. Like you know, right. just to clarify, because I don't want someone to be like, oh well, I don't fucking want to go pro. I just want to do pro am. Right. And I guess, yeah, that kind of coincides with how far do you want to go with it. Um, There is nothing wrong. And because that's, you know, what I did largely until I I could afford to actually do a full pro-am season is there is nothing wrong with being able or kind of just wanting to go into a round and, you know, have fun. There was a dude 
Shit, I forget it. I don't know his actual name, and I kind of feel, because I talk to him, I feel bad. He had, like, a blue 350Z in uh, round one of Vegas. It had, like, an LS, and, it, you know, it it didn't have its front fenders. It didn't have, it basically didn't have a front end. Uh-huh. Um, and they wouldn't let him, and he didn't have a cage, and they, he didn't have a suit, but they wouldn't let him compete because of that, but they would let him qualify. That's cool. Right, and that that was enough to get him kind of like motivated, and you know their their whole. I remember the dude that said it was, uh, you know, a lot of get, everyone knows Garrett. He works with Forrest Wang's team. He was the one that tech the car, and he said the the whole purpose of that is to kind of get more people into drifting, kind of get their foot into competitive drifting, and kind of see what it's all about. Kind of don't just like judge it from the outside as you know everyone in competitive drifting isn't like you know, true to the Japanese style and we're, we all have LSs and we suck. This kid showed up to this event, you know, he couldn't go into competition, but I remember I saw him October, September? August. August, August, yeah. Same kid was just so motivated by kind of the, the chance they gave him. He was absolutely killing it and he had a cage and the car was done and he was, he's ready to go into a, a competitive season next year of drifting and he's probably going to do pretty well honestly um and i i was just kind of psyched to see that that they hyped him up they kind of they didn't give him and that's something a lot of kind of clicks give off kind of the vibe they give is hey you can't do this like we're the only ones that can do it and i don't know you can't right exactly i don't know if that like makes any sense to anyone else who's ever kind of felt like that where you have no chance whatsoever because you don't know anyone but i i love that drifting and kind of vegas drift um specifically gave this kid a chance to compete and motivated him to pursue something that he's passionate about and there's you know if you ask me i'm I'm 25 i don't have life figured out yet but if you ask me one thing that i know there's not enough kids that know what they want to do with their lives and you know to, to see a place that kids are kind of given kids adults whatever you may be are kind of given the opportunity to find that out right yeah i don't want to say the outlet but the the ability to 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 just to just look like you know love something a lot of people don't exactly and they don't have a passion and that kind of leads to dudes that are at like clubs every weekend kind of just harassing the same girl over and over again it's just which is great if you're into that right yeah you know i guess but yeah, if that's your thing, like cool. But uh, I guess <laughs> if I've seen like I've just a lot of the dudes I've I've seen grow and and women alike. I've seen a lot of great you know girl drivers like uh, Amanda Sorensen and their names are going to be so similar. Um, Yasmin Soren, I think she's she's one of the she's a girl that drifts out here. <laughs> You know, it's just, it, it's cool to see not just guys, but everyone grow into the sport. And it's cool to see everyone like it. And it's just so cool to see this take off in such a short period at, when you compare sports like NASCAR and stuff like that. Um, you know, like, but like we were saying before, NASCAR took 100 years, upwards of 100 years to develop into what it is. And if you compare how fast drifting came up to even, a you know, some airtime on CBS, that's 
in 15 years, that's that's pretty impressive. Which in my does book. concern me a little bit because, you know, it took NASCAR to make 100 years, you know, where it's at right now. It's kind of fallen off. NASCAR is, yes. Yeah, and, and that's that's what kind of concerns me is like, is drifting going to come in and out that fast? Like, or even faster with the rate it's growing? You know, that's honestly it, a good it, take care of it that's that's honestly a good point and i i'm so concerned about that i hope that it doesn't kind of fade in and out that fast and the reason i hope that is because i don't know nascar kind of doesn't appeal to anyone with an attention span i don't know if that like makes any sense to anyone else but like how long can you watch cars go in 500 like 500 laps in circles right in circles like there's i think for the drivers the crew and i don't want to speak for the fans because they're probably all shit-faced anyway but like i want to say that for the drivers and the crew nascar is more exciting as a racing sport you know as I guess for the people com- competing or what's the word I'm participating, um, it's probably more fun. And you know, NASCAR has. We've talked to crews, we've talked to people that race stock cars. It it does have a lot of strategy. I don't want to knock NASCAR and make it seem like it's nothing. No, no, no. It's definitely something, but just where it's at from the spectators' eyes, it's not what it was. It's no longer it doesn't have the excitement it once had. Right. And that's where I think drifting would excel, is drifting kind of has... I think humans naturally have a short attention span. If we watch the same... Say we watch Christoph Bluths and Chris Forsberg just go in circles, like constant battle for, you know, 15 battles back-to-back, people would be bored. But I think that it, it moves fast enough and that it's just each of those 30-second, 40-second runs are just so action-packed and kind of inconsistent. You never know what you're going to get. Um, even with some of the best drivers, you know, they, they they could enter and just wash out and eat shit. You never know what you're going to get in drifting. You never gonna you never know what you're going to get with any motorsport. Right. Any second, someone could just put it into a wall. But I feel, I feel like a sport where you're purposely... purposefully Going towards the wall? Right, losing control of a car. And that's really what drifting is. It's kind of like I heard someone say that walking is controlled falling. It, no, not walking. No, is it running? I don't know if it's walking or running. <laughs> Basically, someone said that, you know, when we run or walk, it's kind of a controlled fall. We just, our, our bodies have adapted to it. And I'm sorry to, like, sound like this, but kind of drifting is kind of controlled chaos so to speak it's we're throwing a car sideways as you know as fast as the run-up will let us go and we're hoping it goes good like there's no i don't know when i throw when i throw the car sideways next to another car you know i won't lie there's no like real calculation going on it's i kind of just hope i don't hit the other car it's it's kind of all feel like how I, I I've been where I've been at before if that makes any sense. You judge their speed and you you know you clutch kick it and you just kind of hope you don't destroy their car. But or, if you do or yours, yeah. If you do, I guess that's the point of drifting. If you can't catch them, just do as much damage as possible. <laughs> right before the finish line. <laughs> I don't know. It's 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 definitely more of a challenge than any motorsport I've ever been involved in. You know, we've done 
kind of drag racing, road racing, and I've never experienced something that definitely gives you the butterflies as much. You know, as much as I've sat on, you know, the qualifying line or wherever, you know, before you're about to battle someone, it's, I've never felt you never get that kind of inconsistent butterfly, so to speak. You you never feel that kind of nervousness anywhere else. And I think that's what just makes it so exciting. It's, I don't know, it's it's just so damn cool. <laughs> no, I definitely agree. Um, it's just, it's different. It's, I think it'll get there. There's, uh, no, ex- there's no experience like it. Right. And that's, I think people actually need to go for a ride in these cars you know they think like oh that's like when i i disagree i've never been on a ride along you've never been on a ride along not once you live in california right mm-hmm. do you go to like Irwindale a lot mm, i go to look at it you know yeah. damn dude we'll take you on a ride in our car it's i mean it's not like the craziest thing but it's pretty fast you know um, i couldn't i don't think i can do it come on man it's not that ugly it's it's I, I don't know what it is I just I've never been in one and I think I would feel like so like I don't even like people driving me around like when we go somewhere I'm the driver I feel no I could respect that honestly because my girlfriend drove the other day and it was oh, the most terrifying up. thing I've ever experienced it, dude my girlfriend we I had my girlfriend driving me around last week and I was like it like we were we're looking for a house right now yeah and I was like. You know what? You drive us around. So I cracked a beer open at 10 o'clock so I know she wouldn't make me drive. Yeah. I didn't even want the damn beer. So I was like, you're driving all day. Well, worst decision ever. I hate the way she drives. Right. That's and, then I had my, and then we, I had my son with me, and I was like, can you like slow your fucking roll, like, please? Right. Someone gets a little mad at the drivers in front of them. Excuse me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, she doesn't really have road rage, luckily. Shit, mine was, guns are, like, legal with everyone out here. Like, I was about, she was about to get a shot, like, unload two clips in us or something. <laughs> but. I know, right? Chicks, yeah. She, chicks, man. Chicks. She, <laughs> she heard that. Um, but, wise, where were we? Wise Fab. I'm trying to get no, back on. We're beyond Wise We're beyond Wise Fab. Wise Fab takes a lot out of your life. Drifting takes fab. a lot out of your life. Do it. Uh oh yeah, just do it. Just yeah, just do it. This is a long ass fucking episode. Yeah, sorry. I'll, I'm I gonna have to lower the quality. Much. This way, everyone we're, can. Know. I get quite talkative. Um, you, you know, so can I. But it, it's good. It's good. This is the most. Uh, not that. Not that we've had a lot of episodes, anyways. This is the most infor- infor- uh, informative one. So, if anyone could hear me, I guess, and you are really, you are weighing the options of, and seriously weighing the options of doing pro am. Um, doing grassroots if you really have the desire uh and the drive to kind of put up with something that's you know going to kick your ass constantly um if you're kind of willing for the or ready for the challenge ready to learn a lot about not only yourself but kind of learn a lot about the people around you then just just go for it. There's no, there's nothing stopping you from doing pro am. There's no licensing needed. Uh, like as if you were in pro one or pro two, there's nothing like that. Just it's what kind of holds you back is your willpower and your determination. And 
I don't want anyone to get the idea that they can't do it. You, you know, as much as I'd like for there not to be a thousand people in pro-am drifting, I would also like to see people realize, you know, they have, they kind of have it within them that you can do this, that it's not something that... Pro-am is not hard. It's, it's not something... Right. It's not something that's pro am is not reserved for kind of the elite uh, of drifting. It's 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 for everyone. If you kind of show up with their their tech requirements, um, that's kind of the only thing that holds you back. Just all you have to do is just put bumpers on your car, man. It's not that hard. And And if your bumper breaks during practice, they don't give a shit. You know, you show up with a good attitude, a suit. You know, I'm selling a Sparco J2. Side note, if anyone wants it. On what size? Extra. Oh, actually, it's large. But wait, wait, no. Like, I mean, like, I got a size 58 seat. What size is yours? I'm a shorter driver. I'd have to look. I'm like six two. I'm not fucking six two. That's for sure. <laughs> you know, if you're I'm like five eight in stilts. If you're if you're looking to do it. Assuming that your car is already built and kind of with their own, if you're entering into Pro-Am, I'm, you know, you're assuming you're a more advanced driver at your local grassroots events. You know, you're, you're already tandeming with people, stuff like that. Um, and you have a car set up to do so. You're probably looking at, you know, a thousand to fifteen hundred dollars your first event, in my experience, depending where you're traveling from. And that's usually the biggest killer. When people get in drifting, the car is going to be kind of a quarter of the expense. Mm-hmm. Everything else is going to be the real expense. Once the car is built and running, you know, for the most part, it's kind of just maintaining it and keeping it running unless you like wreck it or blow the engine. Change your oil before every round. Exactly. And that's something a lot of people don't do. Is Walmart, if you're- Mobile One. Castrol, pick if one. You're it's twenty five fucking dollars. If you're out here in the southwest, west coast, and shit, if you're running without an oil an oil cooler, you're an idiot. Hey, if, hey, hey. If you're not changing, <laughs> if you're not changing that oil between every events, like, and it's breaking down, like, you're you're just asking for trouble. And I think that's how I I took out my first engine. Very minimal, kind of as far as motorsports go. This this is going to be the most minimal minimalist, if that's even a word, um, amount of money you could put into something uh, and get the most out of it. If that makes any sense, you're going to get a huge. Just even if you don't win the round, you're you're kind of going to get a sense of kind of accomplishment, um, a sense that you kind of worked with the team. You walk away with something. You learn something. Uh, and it's, you you know, you'll be amazed to see kind of how far, how far people will go together and work as a team. You know, first round of Vegas, I, we are coming fresh off an engine rebuild and probably the first two laps out there, the first two practice laps, my engine just started spewing oil everywhere. Like, literally, like, just everywhere. You know, I, I took it back, and, you know, my my crew, which consists of, you know, it's not, like, world-renowned mechanics. It's my, you know, my dad and my buddy Joe. You know, these dudes are, 
they're not getting paid either. They're they're ripping off the intake manifold of a car that just came off the track, which is fucking hot. Yeah, which they're like, you know, almost like ninety thousand degree burns on their hand just to get an oil leak fixed. Um, you know, by the time we go out to qualifying, and it's just, it's just insane. If if you're a driver and you're looking to do this, just buy water and food for your guys. Just make make them happy and buy them beer. That's the the least I do is I make sure I feed everybody. I always bring food. Right. Don't don't invite everyone if you're seriously gonna like be like, hey, uh, I got the hotel tonight, so can you like get Burger King for dinner? Like, tr- you know, treat no, them. No, that's that's your job as a driver. Right. If you're having somebody out there, if you can't afford it, don't invite them. Right, you're Get out of your fucking car and change your own as tires. a driver. It's not just an investment to yourself; it's kind of an investment to the team. Um, Some people might disagree with that. Some people might have people who are willing to uh, to, to give you know, that extra, and that's great, you know. But I know I couldn't do that personally. If if some people can afford to operate without a team, you know that's. Shit, I guess that's on them, but as, as far as, you know, most people go and most pe- that are going to kind of align with myself, it's you, you got to treat your friend. These aren't, these aren't, you know, like Falcons employees sent to help you. These are, these are your friends. So just never kind of never lose sight of the main goals that you're there. And, you know, I'm guilty of it myself. You know, if you lose fun of what you're doing, and you lose sight of why you're there and it's to kind of have fun and enjoy yourself. You can be competitive. You can be competitive and have fun too. You know, just cause you're competitive doesn't mean you have to say, you know, fuck everyone. Um, the round three was kind of the one I focused mo- most on the points, uh, and most on beating everyone. And it's the one I did the worst at, you know, surprisingly enough. So, you know, if I could be honest, just, just, focus just kind of believe in yourself believe you can do it if someone told me five years ago when i you know first started drifting that this would be you know a thing eventually you know i'd never believe them i just kind of had fun until this point and i just kind of did it with my friends and i i know that sounds cliche but like we never did anything special. We never did anything to, to prepare for Pro-Am. It was just, you get ready, and you treat your friends right, and you just go out there and fucking kill it. <laughs> or, try, I, I, or try to. <laughs> or, yeah, or do your best to kill it, you know? But, it's just... You know, and not to step too far away. If you go out there and have fun... You, you'll be surprised how far just kind of focusing on yourself can get you. Definitely. Um, and, you know, with that, I kind of want to lead into these. Uh, you got some questions here. I think some are from your friends. Is it one about Joe? Like, is WiseFab cheating? Because it's not cheating. You know, he says it is, so I'm just going to agree with your buddy. <laughs> you know, we already talked about how many motors you've gone through last season. Ooh, right here. Joe, I heard you drive a Tundra. That's basically a minivan. <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you yeah. want to talk about that? Yeah, we do. Uh, my my tow vehicle right now is a, for our, 
four foot trailer is a, a 2008 Toyota Tundra. The, and if it? you ever disrespect oh yeah dude this tundra gets down this wait with this a 4.7 gas engine with a 4.7 or the chose 5. this trailer like it's nobody else's business which engine the it's a 3uzfe to be specific i have no idea what you just said so it's some, it's some toyota engine they just like after jay-z they just named everything uz so i got a uz <laughs> okay but who, is it the 4.7 five point whatever what's up right, what what's the displacement on that thing one more time it's seriously the second you talk it stops one more time for the people in the back <laughs> displacement on the engine it's a 5.7 oh you're good to go i don't even have that so it's like a ls1 uh, hey don't don't please don't compare apples to oranges over here we we actually just ls1 swapped it you, you say that you don't mean that um, Alex Ohl asked if you could start over, what yeah. chassis would you build other than the S chassis? It's I heard build other than the S chassis. I'm going to call you right back and ask this question right all over. Hello? Yep. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to get to these questions real quick. I'm going to ask them as we go along. Okay. It's fucking rough right now. My internet sucks. Or yours. Like displacement, tundra, and that was about it. Nope. Got that. That was all recorded. Don't worry. I'm not even going to edit this little piece out. So, Alex Ollie or Ol, I don't know. Pick one. Uh, ask if you could start over, what chassis would you build other than an S chassis? Uh, 350Z, without a doubt. Or uh, an E46 or E36. And the only reason I think that is because if we're going kind of pound for pound without taking the engine out of the chassis... Um, I feel like those kind of cars are the best cars to get into. They uh, definitely are. Out of yes. the box. Where I feel like, you know, three S13s, S14s, um, if you were lucky enough to get an S15, uh, they're, you know, they're, they're cool. But... To who? Maybe more, like, less of the S15s, but the S13s and the S14s, you're more... You're more restoring it than building it, and that's kind of where I feel like as in, you know, my car now, it's it's a great car and everything, and it has straight frame rails, but before we put a cage in it, we had to patch holes in the floor. Well, you know, that's what you get, and S chassis are moving their way into that they're like on a thin red line with like becoming a rare barn find. Right. That's it. To find a clean car, it's getting to find a clean chassis to start a build. It's getting harder and harder. Mm -hmm. uh, and pretty you soon know, they're going to be like forty five hundred bucks with no paperwork, a shit box, rusted out floors right. car. You're going to be buying like, yeah, it's like you said, a, a piece of shit for like thousands of dollars. Mm -hmm. um, it's what it's getting. And here. as much as I, I love the S14s, you know, we're, we're kind of trying to stock up on like $2,500 S14s while we can. Mm -hmm. But I feel like eventually they're they're going to phase out and kind of the 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 Z33 chassis are going to take over as kind of the next S chassis. That's at least my opinion. Um, or even BRZs, you know, that's kind of what we've been looking into, uh, looking kind of two or three years further down the program's road is kind of an FRS or BRZ chassis. You can kind of get them for pretty cheap now. Yeah, yeah, relatively cheap. 
Right, considering it, it's a new car and there's there's still an relevant. After, right, there's an aftermarket supporting. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So we uh, got we got a rough rough road ahead. Asking how much do you spend a year on average to compete overall and per event? So per event, it can kind of vary by distance. Um, you know, for myself, being that I have a gas truck, I drink through gas you know, to go to Colorado, let's say the Colorado event is the farthest event of the Southwest Drift Series. That's about 1,600 miles um, there and back. So that'll probably cost us between hotels, food, gas, everything like that, you know, 2500 to $3,000. That's to travel comfortably. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not where you're sleeping in the truck, stuff like that. Um, but like we said earlier, if you're going to have a crew, you know, you're going to want to do that because you're not going to have a crew much longer if you say every time we go somewhere, we got to sleep in a truck, especially in Colorado. So I would kind of say that's kind of how much it costs event will vary as much as per season. I think we spent this season, you know, I kind of just paid for everything. I didn't really look at the price because it almost hurt to look at the price i don't want to know it was adding up the engine uh damage to the car stuff like that it was you know i'd safely say around 13 to fourteen thousand dollars um you just said that in front of her and i heard her say oh my gosh yeah she's like all i wanted was a fucking purse yeah we never (laughs) that's what i'm saying if anyone near life gets sucked in it does it does so it, that's kind of why I'm glad this series is here to kind of show that, you know, Pro 2 and Pro 1 isn't just the struggle. Like, don't get me wrong, there's definitely a struggle in Pro 1 and Pro 2, mm-hmm. but there's also a struggle going on at the lower levels. And, you know, Pro-Am is not just, you know, a free ticket to just to just kind of it's, fuck around and, you know. It's not. That's all. That's you out of, all out of pocket. And don't think just because you get a fucking Pro 2 license that, you know, all these sponsors are going to come. I'm pretty right. sure any Pro 2 driver will tell you that's not how the fuck that works. Right. It just, it, it doesn't get any easier. It kind of gets harder from there on out. And if you do Pro 2, you know, you're going to kind of need, you're going to kind of have to learn the business side of sponsorships. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you could... I'll, I'll even use myself as an example, you know, I, I as kind of a learning example. Um, you know, I, I went to Max's Tires kind of this year and was like, oh, we have a cool car and it's fast and yada, yada, yada. And I thought, like, that would be enough for them. It's not. Company, companies don't want to hear that. You know, they ignored me. They didn't respond, did they? No, they didn't. Correct. They, they responded like, oh, yeah, we'll send you something. But they never responded after that. And, you know, I don't want to seem like I'm sitting high on this pedestal because I'm kind of going through these lessons myself in in life. But you got to learn the business side of racing. And there is, you know, things like that Ravi at We Don't Lift Racing has kind of been coaching me through is ROI um, and ratios that you could return on and stuff like that. You have to. When you go into this, you have to have a plan. You can't just kind of go into it crazy. You know, I'm just gonna, sh- I'm just gonna shred, bro. And, and, and like, yeah, and real quick, a lot of people won't understand what a return of investment is. Right. So that means, 
on a return on investment, they kind of do it in ratios. They can do like a, a two to one, three to one, four to one. I mean, four to one is if you're like insanely good or five to one. I, I've heard numbers that high. And basically what I mean by that ratio is simplest terms for every dollar they spend on you, you return two dollars. And that, that's a two to one ROI. But at the same time, you know, a mistake that I fell into kind of trying to learn this is when you say to someone, oh yeah, you know, if you give me yada, 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 let's say $2,000 for the season. And I'm just using that as an example. Use $2,000 and then you say, oh, I could return on that investment by two to one, three to one, or four to one. If you say that to someone, you're insane at the same time. Because if you say you're returning on a two-to-one investment, that's 200%. Like, what businessman is going to think you're sane for just returning on 200%? You know, like, I don't know if that kind of makes sense to anyone, but I don't know where I'm going down this road. I'm just rambling. But it go, it kind of goes back to you have to have a plan. You have to kind of have a... a right, like a a passionate and realistic approach to your sponsors. Uh, something that you're going to give back to the drifting community or whatever community you're looking to get sponsored and whether it be like Time Attack, you know, HSR, IMSA. I don't think anyone listening is racing an IMSA. Think about it this way, and I could be getting off the, the subject 110%. When you look to progress yourself in in drifting, think about what you're, what you can do as a driver for your sponsor, not what can your sponsor do for you as a driver. What can you pay it forward and give back to the drifting community, road racing community, drag racing community, stuff like that? Where are you going to be a positive influence? Because there's a ton of people in drifting right now that basically have their hands out with nothing to offer for the drifting community. They sure don't. I know I did. Still do. Don't have shit. Right, and that's and that's a pitfall, you know. I won't even lie; like I, I fell into it's kind of you just you think of a sponsorship and you just think what you know what what does everyone have to do for me, and then it's kind of you know it's a hard pill to swallow. It is when you realize that no one's no one's gonna do it for you. It's just it's just a lot of work, a lot of a lot of marketing, and a lot of wrecking your car and shit that's about it it's just you know that's the only thing you could say to anyone looking to get into it is it to broad kind of broad stroke it or broad brush it it's going to take your life this it's not something that can be a phase you know you can't you know wear your fresh ass nikes and your joggers and whatever zoomies gear you wear and show up to the track every friday and say like yeah, i'm going pro like this shit is gonna I'm going pro because it looks fucking cute yeah, right. Like there's a lot of dudes that show up to the track, like just looking like pretty boy swag, and think they're going, they're going pro. It's like, yeah, no, it's true. It's you know, the you know the it, guy that shows up in rags, he's the one that's probably going before you will. Right, and it's shit. Like we, I don't know, man. It's just I wear pocket t-shirts from Walmart and Levi's. Trust me, dude. I just got uh like the Vans little era replica shoes at walmart and i'm so psyched oh i gotta, I'll, I'll, I'll struggle that bad we were gonna we were gonna no i'm i'm all about walmart we were gonna i have no shame in my game 
Oh, neither do I. My Fruit of the Loom shirts are the shit. Right. Dude, I love my Walmart. Pocket shirts for the win. Right, man. You would get some good deals at Walmart. I just got Dickies that fit perfect, like $19. No, you can't fucking lose there. And then you find a chick who's like, yeah, I'll date this dude who shops at Walmart. That's my girlfriend. Hell yeah. yeah. That's where I get her her wine. It's like $5. (laughs) A box? (laughs) I wish it was the box. I like the box. But what is it? It's like our Liberty Creek. This shit comes in like a 55 gallon barrel. Like, <laughs> for five bucks. It, it's, yeah. It's like pretty much just like water with food dye in it. You know it. what? You drink if, it. if you're going to be drinking while you're trying to make a drift career, PBR is the right. way to go. We've. Shit, we've had PBR, haven't we? We've, of course we've. Yeah, we've, we've had the PBR. Got, I, I bought this fucking beer when I turned 27 as like a, a spare beer for my birthday party. Like, we'll just leave it in the closet. If we need it, we'll we'll open it. I haven't fucking changed the beer since. It seems like it's gone up in value. Uh, Not by much, so I'm not complaining. <laughs> Still cheap. Like a cent a year. <laughs> but, you know... uh. I'm going to close out the show. I want to thank you for coming on, man. Uh, you had a lot to say, um, a lot of good things to say, especially when it comes to finances and this thing and being committed. And uh, I hope people can kind of take take something from that. You know, I think it's really good. Uh, you you kind of spoke from what I feel. You spoke from the heart. You're like, this isn't easy. I took fourth place in Southwest Drift, from my understanding, right? Is that what you're saying? Yes. And that's kind of, I don't, I don't I want everyone to be as motivated and passionate and I want everyone to give it as I guess shit I'm about to use the same word twice as passionate of a try as they can. You know and I want them to give it 110% with their heart but at the same time I don't yeah, want to like lie. your Yeah, I don't like want Like your PE coach want, tells you to. 110. Right. I don't want to lie to everyone like this it's not even though it's no, there's there's nothing land, to sugarcoat. Like this is real. At, like this by is... any stretch of the mind or any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, don't sugarcoat it. Um, you know, but if you're willing to put in that risk and that time and that, you know, that blood, sweat, and tears, so to speak, it it can be very rewarding. And even if you don't win a trophy, just the memories you're going to take from a season, the experience. You know, yeah, exactly. Like, you know, some of the things that I've told my dad and who's basically, you know, one of kind of the backbones of the team. He goes to every event. He helps us out. You know, we've spent a ton of money. You know, we lost out on the Pro 2 license, but the memories that me and you had throughout the season, you know, I'll never get back. Like, those are unforgettable. Those are... Exactly. Those are priceless. Like, yeah, exactly. you, you can't put a price on those memories. You're going to remember them for the rest of your life. You sure as fuck can't. But again, uh, thank you. Um, how can people reach you as far as, you know, social media, Instagram, Twitter? I don't know what the hell you use. My Instagram? Uh, shit, I don't even remember it. Is that like bad that I don't know that? Yeah. A little bit. Oh, it's Sean underscore Mirtha 793. Yeah, and, that, and that's uh, Sean S-E-A-N. Yes, sir. Underscore M U R T H seven nine three. Uh, you know anyone 
I'll even put my my phone number on no, here. Uh, don't, don't do all that. Don't. Just, okay. You, you know, you can chill. <laughs> yeah, right, you don't right, want right. fucking randoms <laughs> blowing you. I, I was I, trying I, to be like really nice to everyone. Yeah, you just... know, you gotta be a dick sometimes and tell them to DM you. Yeah, I mean that's that's my Instagram. Um, Sean, you know, pretty much the same thing. Sean Murtha is my Facebook, and if you know anyone has any questions or kind of needs just anything throughout you know building their car to go to pro-am or kind of going through pro-am you know as i said before i'm not i'm not end-all be-all but i could definitely give some you know insight and kind of some guidance on at least what i think would be the best way to pursue certain tasks definitely man again thank you uh you have a good night Thank you. I, I appreciate you for having me really much. Hey, I appreciate you coming on, man. Uh, you had a lot Gosh. to say, and which is definitely good. Again. You definitely had a lot of good insight. Um, again, you two have a good night. I'm going to end the show. I'm hanging up now. Thank you Thank again, you. man. Bye-bye. And that was Sean Murtha with uh, Southwest Drift. We definitely touched on a lot. Uh, a lot of things that aren't really spoken about when it comes to Pro-Am. Um, especially running your own program. And I, I, I'm kind of glad he was on. Like, he was super real about it, you know. And and that's something I definitely appreciate, uh, I think. And I hope that doesn't scare anybody away or anything like that. Like, you know, per, me personally, I, I definitely want to see everybody out there, as many people as I can, you know. Because I want to, at the end of the day, I'm a pro-am driver myself. I want to beat those people at their best. That helps you grow as a driver when you beat someone at their best, personally, I believe. Uh, my name is Gerald Hernandez. You can find me on Instagram at Gerald underscore Hernandez. That's spelled J-E-R-A-L-D underscore H-E-R-N-A-N-D-E-Z. Um, I'll be driving a 2004 Cadillac CTSV next season in the Drift League. Thank you again, guys.